Blog Talk Radio. The 
love received so far has been so hard. There's a few dudes to run, but they medulla, they sharp, man, they so soft. Don't be thrown off any Zolar. Avoid them at all costs, like raccoons or skunks. But back to the regular scheduled program. The program is sponsored by Seven Heaven. What else in hell can you get an open line to heaven at 11-11? Emerge at the other end of those meditation portals and elevated walk tools. Even some abort tools. Any questions, comments, or concerns, press one. To everyone else, thanks for attending another session. I'm pleased to teach, but it's an honor to learn. Certainly, courtesy of KTL University. Oh, please don't be frightened. I'm terribly sorry about this. You are. Peace, 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 family. Peace to you and yours. This is Nova Less Radio, and you are now rocking with the best. Yes, indeed. This is your host, Brother Blue. All right. I'm going to be joined by my co-host very soon, Brother Red. All right, y'all. We're back in the building with another special episode for you, of course, courtesy of KTL Radio. All right. So welcome back. Welcome back to another episode. Shout out to everybody that joined us on Tuesday night's episode. All right. Tuesday night's episode featured Keisha from the UAM. All right. It was another blockbuster episode. It's in the archive. Anybody that wants to catch what they missed. All right, you want to tune into some real talk. If you want to hear a preference for conversation to set up some events that kind of like was the catalyst for tonight's show, definitely listen to Tuesday's show. We were speaking about the um, unprecedented amounts of violence that we're seeing amongst the youth, uh, the females in particular, and our society, and we were questioning whether it was a result of an increase in, um, you know, them getting their directives from social media, not so much social media, but reality shows and, you know, the um, rampant sharing online of fighting clips and, and things of that nature, you know, and just the appetite that our children have for all things ratchet during this particular um, point in time in our history. And then came the video clip seen around the world of the young girl getting unceremoniously whooped out at McDonald's, you know, in our hometown, uh, Flatbush, Brooklyn. In that particular clip, we're showcasing everything that we were speaking on on Tuesday evening, Tuesday night, in regards to the, um, you know, what, what, what seems to be 
uh, unprecedented, uh, you know, amount of adrenaline and, and, and testosterone, you know what I'm saying, and these ass whoopings, like, I remember back in my day, you know, the most that you've seen was uh, females were scrap. They was about scratching and pulling the blouse loose, grabbing some hair, you feel me, and what have you. Um, and it was intense, don't get us wrong, you know what I'm saying? They knew how to do their hands and everything. But what we're seeing today is just like a whole nother ferociousness in these young women's attack. You know, they're purposely looking to hurt one another, you know what I'm saying, and, and they're definitely putting it down. So we're going to talk about that tonight, you know, of course, because nothing is separated and what we're seeing is part of a large, larger dynamic of what we call social social media engineering. You know what I'm saying? The kid cousin, the social engineering which deals with the whole aspect of our society, our physical society, you know. But now we are adjoined with something called cyberspace, which has no physical location. You know what I'm saying? It can't be identified. You can't physically locate it. But it has a lot of ramifications in the physical world because it's now become a tool of indoctrination for how people think how people move, you know, and the constant diet of what's being shared on these uh, forums is leading to a level of desensitization, is desensitizing our babies to a degree in which is very unfamiliar. We've never seen this before. When you saw all of them, them youth in particular, the boys present during that ass whooping and their reluctance to do anything but film or watch or cheer on what they was witnessing, you know, that's a direct result of them being desensitized to these particular events. You know what I'm saying? They feel like they are standing within or in the presence of, you know, the next world star clip or the next fight compilation. So it's a whole different reality for them. They're viewing it differently. You know what I'm saying? They're responding to it differently. And this is a new phenomenon that has to be dealt with, has to be addressed for it to be dealt with. So we definitely have a uh, special guest coming through tonight who has a level of expertise, you know, in the realm of warfare, the psychology of warfare, you know. So the brother is definitely going to be able to lend some insight, some further insight into how this discourse is, uh, you know, or what it is that we're witnessing, how it's connected as tentacles to the larger problem or the larger beast at hand. Special guests to drop through tonight as well. I definitely look forward to that. 
All right, so let me make this announcement about this upcoming weekend. New York City and this summit couldn't have come at a better time. Feel me? You know, this is definitely uh, what we would call perfect timing. So, our brother King Simon on Sunday will be presenting on March 15th, 2015, in Harlem, New York, at the National Black Theater. All right? In honor of the Women's History Month, not history, but Women's History Month, he's going to be welcoming Sister Shahrazad Ali from the Hidden Colors documentary and a renowned author of such books as The Black Man's Guide to Understanding the Black Woman, The Black Woman's Guide to Understanding the Black Man, Are You Still a Slave? Etc. Etc. All right, she will be joined by Bunny's Child, and of course, she will be joined by Sister Keisha, all right, from the UAM, our Tuesday night guest, with a performance by Dread Black, the renowned poet slash violinist. She's going to be in the building doing her magic, all right, and like I said. This particular demonstration, this particular lecture, couldn't have come at a more prophetic time. All right, so they'll be in the building addressing, discussing, and dealing with what it is, I'm sure, that we have been witnessing by way of social media and mainstream media. Don't want to miss that. Let me get some particulars for you. If there's anybody listening that doesn't have this uh, advertisement in front of them and they want to attend, let me just run through some details just so you could, uh, you know, get your thing together. All right. This is going to be going down, like I said, Sunday, March 15th. Doors are opening at, what is it, p.m., yeah. Doors are open at 2 p.m. Uh, shout out to Black and Nobel. They also are participating in bringing in the Philly native, Sister Salazar Ali. All right. Uh, the um, the love gifting is $30. All right. And you can buy tickets at several locations. Nicholas Brooklyn. Shout out to Nicholas Brooklyn, of course. Nicholas Harlem. Okay, Black and Nobel up in Philly. If you're in Delaware, passing through at the Drop Squad Kitchen is where you can get your tickets, your dig, or, you know, the damage or the hit at the door is going to be $40 after two. So you want to be there on time, all right? Definitely want to be in the building for this powerful, powerful, powerful message, all right? So that's going down. On Sunday, I don't know about too many other things going down in between that particular time. If anybody knows of anything else that needs to be promoted, you can drop a link in the chat room. And um, in May, I believe May 23rd, of course, 
out in Atlanta, Professor Griff and Zaza Ali will be bringing through Francis Crest Wilson, all right, for her much-awaited, highly and heavily anticipated return to the ATL, okay? And I'm sure that her conversation as well is going to be addressing some of these current events. So let's see. All right, I got the announcements out the way. So what is... Let me see if my calls came through yet. All right, not as of yet. My special guest, not tonight's guest, but my special guest, if you're in the building, press one on your phone, I'll bring you through so we can get it started and line it up for tonight's guest. Okay, I see a, a, a one 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 Skype number. I don't know who this is, but I gotta take a chance to see if it's person that I'm looking for. So call her from the one 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 one. Peace. Okay. They hung up before I could even get to them. All right. All I can do is wait. But in the meantime, in between time, of course, family, uh, you might want to share this on your social networks. Drop the link. We created the link kind of not at the last minute, but like 730, 8 o'clock hour. So if you're on social media, you know, bring them into this dialogue about social media. If you're out there and you're listening and you're fishing for some certified, verified content, you know what I'm saying, to get your mind right. If you need some of that digital piff, you might want to go and uh, look at the latest interview with Dame Dash on The Breakfast Club, part one and two. You know what I'm saying? If you definitely want to break away from, um, you know, the, uh, the, the monotonous digital dribble that I had your mind mentally drowned in BS, and you want to hear a free slave, you know, talking about freedom, check that Dame Dash interview out. You know what I'm saying? As always, the brother, you know, comes through and drops atom bombs, plenty gems. Feel me? So you definitely want to check that one out. All right. Of course, shout out to Brother Rich. Black Magic 363 on YouTube. You might want to go to that channel and check out the latest and the greatest. He has the uh, his latest interview with Zaza Ali and Professor Griff, of course. That Black Dot interview is priceless. Um, shout out to Black Dot. Shout out to Nicholas Brooklyn. I understand that they're doing something, a hip-hop panel tonight over in Brooklyn. So shout out to them. Um. Yeah, and Brother Ray, he got his clip up there dealing with the Biggie Memorial. All right, that's priceless, of course, with the information and, you know, just setting the conversational tone for a lot of other things that we've seen in social media this past week, you know, where we're trying to get an understanding and get a grip on this cultural dynamic 
of how things have flipped and when did they flip, you know what I'm saying? And not necessarily so much who's to blame, but just putting your finger on the pulse of when things took a, a turn, you know what I'm saying? And not necessarily what we could call a turn for the worse. It's just a turn, you know what I'm saying? And things have led a certain way, and we're looking at certain things through a certain lens, and it looks crazy, granted. But we grew up in some crazy times as well, you know? But social media being a new dynamic of which incidents are now projected as images to the entire planet, you know, there never was a time that this particular level of access to ratchetness was so unprecedented, you know what I'm saying? And an incident such as that can get blown, you know, to magnitudes unimaginable and have ramifications and ripple effects, not only in the consciousness of our babies, but also our adversaries that want to use that for propaganda. Okay? So we need to be mindful. Give me one second, y'all. Yes, indeed. All right. Back in the building. Let's go to this 858-999, number 858-999. Call us from the 858. Peace. Hey, peace to you. Peace to the family. How you doing today? All is well in yourself. Peace, family. I'm doing all right. Well, I I have a question for you, and that question is... Yes, indeed. Well, let me, let me give you some foundation of where I'm going with this mindset. First of all, we need to dig ourselves out of a hole, all right? We're starting off in the negative, and we have to make a comeback. And I believe that that has only been done with the people with that can speak with one true agenda. So we need to create a solid agenda that we can do that with a standing religion that's out there right now. That's how everybody else is right. running in the past. They used a religion. They took a religion. Sure. They said, this is who we are, and we're going to build from here. And that religion creates a foundation to how they behave. Right? Right. Now, we can't do that. So we're okay. our open document but at, that we need at, to at, at what time? At what time in our history or any other body else's history on this planet have we been able to achieve what you're proposing without a binding doctrine such as religion? And that's, well, we have not, and that's what we need to write. That's what we need, right? I'm agreeing with you and saying that we need that. So you're saying and we I'm need to come up with a new religion. Not really. It doesn't have that's to be all it would be. It would be. Hmm? It doesn't have to be a religion. It just needs to be something that dictates how we will do what it is we do, and that is be who we are. It's going well, to dictate this how is, this we is, be this who is what we I'm, are. Right. But this is what I'm saying, okay. and this is not contention at all. We are having a conversation so we can uproot you know, mm-hmm. the hidden aspects of the convo that don't necessarily get addressed 
And these are the underlying things that people be scratching their head, but they like us being who we are, right, always leads back to our divine identity. Us being who we are in our higher sense is always going to lead to some concept of God. You know what I'm saying? And still, because of the seeds and because of those deep roots that I'm talking about, that's always going to lead to, quote, unquote, contention because somebody's self-identity is going to be, well, I'm God over here doing this. And according to this, these are my tenets, and this is how I operate. You know what I mean? So how is it possible for many people, right, but you're talking about a quantified number of people to look in the mirror and see that same, quote-unquote, God and feel confident enough to get the drive and the faith behind them and the wind behind them to say, look, I'm fitting to do some superhuman things because I have that much, you know, faith in my God. I have that much assurance. I have, you know, that much of a binding relationship with this, quote-unquote, you know, higher force. And that is being muffled, like you said, by, you know, the mix that's already in the water. You know what I'm saying? And that mix that I'm speaking of is organized religion in, in its many different forms. So how do we get that out of our system and keep the people sober enough you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Where you're able to introduce them to something totally different that's going to bolster them and give them the strength to get upright, you know, because many people use religion as a crutch. And that's how they stand and that's how they move in. That's how they get through their day to day. That's how they deal with racism, white supremacy. You know what I'm saying? Right. You're right. But I don't think we're going to be able to do it through a religion. I just don't see it. What I, right. and, and, what and, I, do. I, I don't know. Do you, do you agree or not? I'm, I'm listening. I'm asking you if you agree or not on that. You're asking me, do I agree or not? Do I feel that yeah. we are going to be able to achieve? Um, and we're talking about critical mass. Are you talking about critical mass? You're talking about a uh, quote-unquote majority of us getting to this place that you're talking about? Yes. I'm talking about the brightest. Hmm. Because, the brightest? Because I'm, 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 yeah, I'm talking about the brightest. Because the brightest, we're going to need to okay. start from somewhere, right? And once we get there, yes. hey, I, I know I know who you are, and, and you know who I am. Indeed. We, we're very close to the same person. I'm going to tell you that. Okay. Now, you don't know, you may not know that being true, but I'm going to just admit that that, that is the case. Now, Indeed. if we can get there off of this document that we need to create, and I don't know if there's one out there, that was one of my questions. Is there an open document out there already started? Because if it's not, we need to start one. I feel you. And then once we create that standard and the brightest, start to live that standard and do the superhuman things that we can do, then yes. the weak are going to see that that is the way. Well, there you that have is it. All, okay. That is all has, that has been done with religion throughout times. That is it. Jesus performed the miracles. Jesus performed miracles, and the weak said, that is the one to follow. 
Indeed. And and Muhammad with his small band were able mm-hmm. to do great things, big things, and they galvanized the masses who bore mm-hmm. witness that, you know, this man must have the force of a law behind him and they fell in line. And then they achieved everything else through force. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. A military might. So yeah, when you ask me what do I think in, in a roundabout way, that's what I was getting to is that um I agree that um you know if if a smaller contingency of people were to adopt the things that you're talking about and integrate it into their lifestyle and that started becoming the beacon, you know what I'm saying? They became that shining hill, that shining house on the hill and that beacon of light that shining through darkness, you know what I'm saying, those in the valley can bear witness to, yeah, they're going to start that trek upward, you know what I'm saying, they're going to start moving mm-hmm. towards that light. And, um, you know, hopefully that light is, is, is all about refinement. So when people come in the presence of high vibrational beings, you know what I'm saying, a lot of the um, the anchors that, 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 unfortunately, we have the heavy metals that we have in our blood, you know, we can liken that heavy metal to niggerism, you know what I'm saying, it, it, it always seems to, uh, you know, cloud our high, higher judgments and, you know, prevent us from flying. It's heavy metals, you know what I'm saying? And the minute we start taking off, we come back down to earth, we crash land because it's, it's, we have this self-defeating prophecy where we want to be, you know, the head nigga and God at the same time. And, like, one seems to cancel the other out. We haven't figured out, you know, how to blend that together and make that shit work. All right. So, yeah. so are you are you aware huh? of a document? Are you aware of a document? I, I I am not aware of a physical document that exists that addresses the particular things that we are talking about in its immediacy. You know what I'm saying? A right. physical document addressing these things that we're talking about in its immediacy will would involve tangible land, mm-hmm. a prescribed diet, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm like, boom, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to eat meat, that's mm-hmm. on you, but you better, you know, kill right. that shit, raise it and kill it, you know what I'm saying? Deal with it how your ancestors right. dealt with it. That animal was part of the family. They reared it, they spoke to it, they fed it, you know what I'm saying? They gave it love. You know, they and dealt with it in a particular way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of that went back into their body. And those are the mm-hmm. things that kept our ancestors alive because they were, you know, raising livestock as, as sustenance that went back into who they were as their family. So that was their family, bolstering them up, all giving right. them the strength. You Can know? I, hey, so... so- so it's a it's a different it's a different dynamic. I'm listening. Document right. I want to start this document right away, and I want you to take the key to the document. We're going to take this document and we're going to start writing it in Google Drive. You're going to create an account and you're going to hold the password to it. And then people that you would, you're going to hold the key. And then people that you think should be able to contribute to the document, you're going to allow them to contribute by either sharing that 
Google Drive with them. And then we're going to take this information and take what is the best and the brightest out of it and create the standard that we should be living by. Can, can you do that? I mean, it's very interesting that you would raise such a proposal on a program such as tonight's program in particular. Well, and, well, um, well, my... What 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 we're, what we're going to discuss on tonight's program, you know, at some point, is whether a move like that is the wisest move to make, you know, mm. under this, um, you know, under the cyber scrutiny, you know what I'm saying, that we face under the cyber surveillance that we're going through. So if this is a, a particular binding contract that we wish to remain secret, you know, then it shouldn't be in Google Drive. You know what I'm saying? If this is a binding contract that would be our new quote-unquote constitution, then we have to decide who we're willing to share that with. You know what I'm saying? Because when we're uploading it, it's now part of the entire intelligence community, and it could be susceptible to hackers. So, you know, these are the things that we want to talk about in regards to technology and warfare. You know what I'm saying? technology and revolution, you know, technology in the digital age, just what are the finer points that we need to understand critically to say, look, this is what it is and this is what it ain't. So now you're talking about to move away from that idea, because, see, I wasn't thinking in that realm. I'm thinking that this has to be free thinking, something that we don't have to hide. We're going to publish it to the masses when it's ready. And you know what? Let it be what it be. If I want a copy of the Torah, I can get one for free. You understand? Right. Because there's no, nothing hidden there. It's all out to what their standards that they intend to live by. And that is the people that have pulled themselves out, used that document to pull themselves out of a hole. But I understand where you're coming Absolutely. from, and my and my counter to that but, would be but an yeah. Do reading. you know? Do you know? This is and it's again, it's wonderful that you would make that reference to the Torah, and the fact that it was utilized to pull oneself out of the quote unquote hole. Um, you know, the the printing press was created for the Bible, so the mass duplication and publication of a book of that magnitude started with the Bible. You know, that Bible was the information. That Bible was the way in which, you know, somebody would go about saying, this is how we're going to do this and this is how we're going to do that. Prior to that, it was told to them. You know what I'm saying? Prior to that, that information was only in the hands of the priests. That was valued information. That was powerful, just like how we see in the book of Eli. You know, this book can start wars. This book can destroy nations. You know what I'm saying? So that translation or that information wasn't shared with the public. It wasn't, they didn't have access to it, quote unquote. You know what I mean? So a document of the nature of what you're talking about, we would have to scrutinize it the same way. Should that document be accessible to the masses? If it's not yet implemented, like if we're using that for our salvation, shouldn't it be amongst our quote-unquote priesthood? 
Okay. Now, I'm not saying that now, in a religious it. sense. I'm <laughs> saying the priesthood in terms of your inner circle, your core, you know, those that are, you know. Your mind is feeding it right to me. I get it. I get exactly what you're yes. saying. And, and, and your brothers on here that are on your same wavelength, we get it too. Now, my counter to that is an annual meeting to be accelerated to a biannual meeting to be accelerated to a quarterly meeting, and then yes. we're going to just have to do it right face-to-face then. And that's how that's done. And that can happen. Indeed. Indeed. Well, I would ask you this, brother. I would say, yeah, you know, remain on the line. Tune in tonight for what we have in store. We're going to continue that conversation that you so eloquently started. You know, you set it off the right way. We're going to take the baton and we're going to, you know, we're going to run laps. So, brother that I'm bringing on tonight is somebody as a strategist who's able to uh, implement and bring forth some of those things that you're talking about. So it's it's a perfect way to start a conversation. Absolutely. You know, and I got your number, you know, and I will be giving you a call and we'll forward up from there. All right. I'm right here. I'm listening in. Take care. I'm a, I'm a, I don't know. I'm going to bounce out so that I can silence myself. Do I need to do that? Yeah. I, nah, you cool. I'm going to just mute your phone. I'm going to put it back on mute. You don't got to hang up or do nothing, all right? All right. Good to go. I'm here. Give thanks, brother. Peace. Peace. Hello? Hello? Hello, yeah. Um, This blue or red? This red. Um, I want to talk to you offline, if that was possible. Uh, yes, indeed it is. Oh, this blue. I'm bugging. <laughs> it might be, I tell people all the time. I be like, um, I shit. They be like, I don't know how to tell the difference. I'm like, sometimes I don't either. Trust me. Um, is there any way um but I yeah. could talk to you or get in contact or we could talk like after like like. Off the like off the show, I know you're about to start the show or whatever. Yes, it is. Yeah, uh, you ready? Yeah. Yeah, three four seven five zero four fourteen forty four. Three four seven five zero four fourteen forty four. Yes, indeed. Okay. Thank you. Um, I'm going to mute the phone. All right. You got it. Peace. All right, family. Um, Let me read the introduction to tonight's program so we can get directly into it. All right. KTL Radio presents Social Media Engineering featuring our esteemed guest, Dr. Ali Muhammad from the Revolutionary Black Panther Party. Tune in tonight as we welcome for the first time Dr. Ali Muhammad, Chief General in Command of the Revolutionary Black Panther Party. Our discussion will focus on the psychological warfare being perpetuated in the digital age using platforms like social media 
as forms of discourse and dissension at a time when these mediums are being monitored for all sorts of activities. We will also explore the links between hypersexuality and homosexuality in the Western world and how these paradigms are being perpetuated via media. More importantly, though, what can one do to properly shield themselves in this battleground of war for the minds of the masses? Tune in as we do the knowledge. Family, get your pads and pens ready because clash, class is definitely in session. All right? And with no further ado to you, our caller from the 202-600. Peace, brother. Black Power. Peace, Black Power. How you doing, brother? Blue Phil. Peace. All is well, Black Power, brother. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the platform. KKL family uh, definitely welcomes you in the building. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. I'd like to greet the listening audience with Black Power and, of course, peace. And just to let them know that tonight's broadcast is going to be very, very heavy. I know these the broadcasts are always heavy. <laughs> um in reference to um, what you what you all bring forth for the people, Brother Blue Pill, but we're discussing, as you so um, greatly uh, inform the listening audience, we're dealing with social media engineering and its effects on our people and the reference of social engineering to many other facets of what we're dealing with. Um, would you like to begin uh, um, how... Um, or would you like me um, to, um I, I definitely want you to begin by introducing yourself to the people. You know, we you know, we, we we are definitely or some of us, should I say, are familiar with Black Panthers. You know, some of us might even be familiar with other individuals in this community with the same name as you, so I want you to make a distinction and explain to them who you are where you're from, and what your origins are with the organization that we identify as the Black Panthers. Very good. Okay. Well, first of all, uh, I'm the founder of the revolutionary Black Panther Party. Uh, originally, um, you know, we've been in existence for over 20 years. Uh, originally, I'm known as the real radical ones, the revolutionary Mau Mau, more or less on the underground level and underground formation uh, when certain situations and circumstances <laughs> brought to light that, to be honest with you, it's very difficult in the land of our captivity to be really underground. And a lot of us have artificial comfort zones. Like, you know, we say, well, hey, yo, keep that on the low and all these other things. But even getting into the night, uh, tonight's discussion, talking about social media, Again, it's another platform that brings us in a position where there's really no such thing as that um, in the land of our captivity. Now, the other thing, um, as far as uh, the name is concerned, you know, um, you know, many people because I'm not so much of an internet personality. You know, I'm out here in these streets working. So those amongst our people who do know me and know me well, especially those who have studied me, especially revolutionaries who have and others. They know that I'm a working man, a man who has really dedicated his life to feeding, clothing, sheltering, training, and defending our people on all levels. And I also deal with our human rights on a different level as well. 
too many times we get caught in the paradigm of the civil versus human, and I'm going to make this clear before we even get started. I'm not telling you that the, that the answer is civil rights, no human rights when I make that statement because we know the enemy's not civil and the enemy's not human, and we mean by nature. But what I am saying to you that you before you approach anything, even this discussion, even this topic, as a people to the listening audience is what I'm saying and not pontificating to you either, but you must understand in your everyday life as a you melanin person, as a black person, that we're at war with the color of our skin of no volition, no choice of our own is our official uniform, which makes each and every one of us de facto warriors if we choose not to be warriors or choose not to be active. So in stating that everything we do to help ourselves is considered a tool of warfare if we're trying to get ourselves out of it. And so that's the context. So in using certain tools, I, for the most part, use uh, human right dynamic when dealing with certain battles for our people um, and those particular platforms of injustice, genocide, and the homicide waste against us. Now, getting into what you mentioned about the name. So all I know is that when I took to doing a lot of work on the ground in the New York area, some parts of New Jersey, but particularly New York, Brooklyn, and other vicinities, you know, um, and even um, some parts of uh, Philadelphia and things of that nature, there was a brother by the name of uh, Marcus Count, as some know him by, and uh, also used the name Bay. All of a sudden, I noticed that there became a thing for this individual to call himself Ali Muhammad. And then, not only that, but even certain things that I covered, to, to cover it in a way, but to punkify it. And it, it almost seems like a, a distraction. I'm not saying that if you believe in sovereignty, I'm not talking about if you accept uh, you a secure party and whatever it is you want to argue about cooking your food and not cooking your food, being alkaline and not alkaline, which I am an alkaline vegan and all my babies are, all 16 of them. I'm, I'm not talking about whether you want to do that. What I am talking about is that it's very peculiar that someone who's talking about war and warfare with the enemy and talking about the solution, like everybody know, I deal with the solution when I speak. I never bring up a negative without a positive, and I'm going to say this, and I'm not saying it in no, I'm not using hyperbole. But I'm telling our people, if we're at war with the color of our skin, there's no choice, no choice of our own used as a uniform or as identified, I'm sorry, as a uniform, even though we didn't choose it. also means we're in warfare. Then you must also understand that in order to protect and defend ourselves, this is a position we must take, and we are also being exterminated in this war. There's a, there's a statistic that states every 28 hours we're exterminated by the enemy, the agents of the state. So in doing such to defend our life, we have a human right that if anybody who comes to put our life in imminent threat or danger, the solution is to ex- in reverse to exterminate their behind. So I always stand on the platform that the solution is to remove this enemy out of our face and out of our existence, and that's the platform. So when I see certain things come and, and things are a distraction, it did bother me, and, and comrades called me, especially with the debate stuff. Let me tell you straight up. I'm not no social media person. I don't believe in this um, debate and all this other crazy stuff that we didn't got into. What I will say about that whole paradigm is this. 
It's some sissy fied, passive aggressive, punky fied stuff. If the best thing we could do is to debate and argue about nonsense. Now, now I know what people are going to say, and if the callers call in and they make that statement, I'm going to deal with that statement about, you know, every people, don't we need debate? Every people need to debate and all this stuff. I want you to ask that question or make a statement about it. I want you to make conjecture. You can make a rhetorical statement or make a statement that you want an answer to. But the point is that this particular person came with that particular thing too, this debate stuff, the Hebrew versus the Muslim versus the Kemet. I listen, man, first of all, all of those things are all, so we shouldn't even be talking about it. But just because you mentioned that, this is the reason why I had to add an extra L to my name to change the whole identification factor. And a lot of us have been taught. It's one of my comrades, may he rest in power, Dr. Khalid Abdul Muhammad, the great black warrior general, same thing with him. You had the so-called wannabe white Arab or whatever the hell they call themselves, freedom fighters, I don't know what they wanted to call themselves, who began to be known in certain sectors of the East um, and certain sectors and certain circles as Khalid Muhammad, also known as Khalid Sheikh Muhammad. So our, so our brother had to put an L in his name. So because of certain activities that certain weirdos did, I put an L in my name. So an uh, extra L, I mean. So it's A-L-L-I. A L L I Muhammad, and I hope I, I, cause I mean that's this is a deep topic for another time because we've got to have a whole different discussion about that about these people that come out there with disruption and distraction and debate and confusion while people are dying, um and and a lot of things going on. So I hope I did touch that, um, to the best way that I can, um uh, for the moment, um uh, to stay so we could stay on point with today with tonight's discussion. And get into the gist of it, but if I if it's needed for me to elaborate on either thing more, what the Revolutionary Black Panther Party is about, which we are about, first of all, revolution as you see the title, but we stand on the threshold of of as a military. We're not an organization, but we're an army, which we have a human right to be, and it's also in accordance with international law. And our mission is to serve, feed, clothe, shelter, train, and to defend our people. And to bring into existence what I coined low-end black collectivism, which, of course, is all that I just mentioned, are serving, feeding, clothing, sheltering, and training our people in order to bring into existence thereafter high-end black collectivism, which is our people being self-sufficient, feeding, clothing, sheltering, training, and defending themselves. So I hope I answered that. If, if, it, if it's needed for me to go deeper, then I will do that. But um, other than that, uh, we can continue and make sure that we are on our um, discussion topic. Um, did I cover it at least for the most part at this point clear enough, um, Brother Blueprint? Yes, indeed. For the most part, you definitely addressed it. Um, you brought clarity to it, you know what I'm saying, clear the air. Um, and I would like you to, in addition, you know, add on and explain to people uh, the fact that you do have these programs. You have uh, a seven-day, you know, agenda that you have dedicated to addressing each one of those topics. So I just wanted you right. to explain that as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely, brother. Yeah. So what we do is, you know, too often, and it's a it's a sad situation in our community. I mean, we, we've got into this tradition where we just have a lecture, we have a discussion, we have a topic, and ain't no work being done in our community. 
And I've seen this go on for a long time, many, because a lot of times people have, they saw Malcolm, Malcolm do it, Malcolm talked. Malcolm talked, but Malcolm was on the platform of programs. These programs were put into effect at at a time of one of the strongest uh, organizations we had at that time, which was the Nation of Islam at that time. Honorable Marcus Mosiah Garvey put into effect effective programs in a platform, which is the strongest thing we had at that time. And when our great elder um, and all of those, I say Ashe to to our great General Malcolm and our great, great, great elder, Honorable Marcus Mosiah Garvey Ashe, and may they all rest in power. When our great elder, beloved elder Kwame Ture came with the Black Panther formation, the first formation out of Lowndes County, um, the same thing. He had a platform. And then um, Brother Bobby and Brother Huey in the second formation of that um, also had programs and platforms that was the best for us at that particular time. But again, I'm saying this to say that we've also got into a culture of speaking. So, you know, great speakers, you know, um, Dr. John Henry Clark, um, you know, great speakers and great teachers, um, Dr. The Honorable Dr. Ben Jacanon, you know, great, great, great beloved speakers. But at the same time, I noticed that there became a dereliction of duty amongst a lot of our people where it's just talk. And the so-called, and I'm saying so-called because not all people are so-called, but those who are so-called, in the so-called conscious community, there's a lot of talk going on, but I'm not seeing any work going on. Niggas debating all day, and I'm going to use that word. And anybody got a problem with it, please press one to check me on it. If you have a problem with me using it, because I say that to say this, you can't tell nobody how to talk and what to say. As long as the enemy exists, then they will continue to socially engineer niggas, and we must identify what that is so that we can know. I train my babies to know that they are black and that they are African, but they must also identify when they see somebody wild on the corner punching somebody in the face that looks just like them, that they're not acting as an African or a black person. They're acting like a socially engineered being that the enemy created that unfortunately is called nigger. But at the same time, to keep it 100 and keep it true, in the street, when I'm in the trap, that's how we talk in the trap. That's how we talk in the street. Not that I condone trap behavior, what I sell in poison, but if we're true warriors and revolutionaries, then we must go where the grassroots of our people are. So even stepping out for a minute, dealing with, say, talking about the programs, I also go in these traps to show brothers, first of all, to give them political education on how to stop and to change what they're trapping. But you don't have to trap poison. The goddamn white Arabs have all these stores where they sell um, the water in our community, the food in our community, a lot of garbage in our community. We could be trapping food. Do you know how much of a – I'm not just trying to get an economics like that. I'm just giving you an example because you're trapping for money. Do you know how many billions of dollars um, people spend in food per year and you're sitting here trapping poison? Trillions, actually. Nations dealing with trillions of dollars in food. You can be actually trapping and serving the food in your community on a whole different level instead of poisoning your community. But getting back to the point. So I go on the trap, political education, but I also teach them how to protect themselves and defend themselves from the doors getting kicked in by the enemy. And that's another topic for another time, but I'm just trying to stay on point and trying to shove as much things in as I can at one time and dealing with the programs that I'm getting ready to talk about. So the point is that, getting back on point, the point is that I noticed we develop a culture of just talk, and we're talking about also the media social engineering tonight. That has extended the talkers into a whole other platform. Now they can sit down behind a computer and just become keyboard killers, keyboard, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram revolutionaries and generals and whatever the hell we want to be and call ourselves when we're like that and not do no work. So 
um, when I say uh, so-called conscious, I'm only saying it because the true conscious community started off as a revolutionary conscious community where the revolutionaries and those who had consciousness came together as one, where we had the X, we've had the music with X-Clan, Public Enemy, Black Watch, and it was deep on what we developed and what we came up with and how we identified with ourselves that even the people that trapped poison in the street had to wear an X and an African symbol, red, black, and green, because the culture was doing work. We were doing work at that time. And what happened is the enemy came amongst us with the foolishness. Then it became a separation, and the grassroots went a different way, and those who had the knowledge they had went a different way. But I always say this, to cut that off and get to the programs. I always say this, the conscious community, without the revolutionary community, the warrior community, is no more than spookism. And the revolutionaries are no more than crackers and blackface or even to some degree Marxist, Leninists without the consciousness. So we need both as one, and we got to stop the madness. So when they started this thing with talking about black power versus this thing and that thing, that's a silly debate that should have never happened. Even some of the city debates on whether the cracker is the devil, that's not even a debate because it's a fact, according to science, that they are an adverse, a genetically averse people. Um, they're genetically recessive. They're not human. They're mutants. So that shouldn't even been a discussion. But getting back to the point, though, but I will say this. As long as the people are awoke and aware on who we are and who the enemy is, some say we ain't got no enemy. Well, let me explain something to you. Or people that are at war, again, we didn't choose it. If you don't know who an enemy is if you're at war, then all the, the atrocities that's waged against you, you will have a cathartic release to the trauma and the madness that's waged against you on yourself. And this is what happened because you haven't identified the target. Um, look at all the nations of Africa and the nations in, in, the, in the Caribbean and things of that nature where you see mostly black faces. We're attacking each other in a very exacerbated way because we haven't identified what the targets are of this war that's waged against. So let me get to the point. So we have a seven-day program and platform, yes. Um, in that, we have a health program out of our Ministry of Health. To put this in there, we have right now, we're currently trying to feed 20,000 families by March the 21st. This goes out to the listening audience, if you can help us. We are trying to feed 20,000 families. That's 20,000 families, family, by March, the, by March the 21st. See, I'm going to break this down quickly because I know we're dealing with a time factor, and I know I'm talking fast and trying to get a lot of stuff in and trying to cover a lot of stuff at one time because it's important that we do that, and I'm always that kind of brother. You could call it. Sometimes it's a weakness, sometimes it's a strength. But when I explain Bruh, something, I like to if if we gotta if we gotta be here all night to do what we gotta do, we're gonna be here all night. You understand? Take your time, you're doing excellent, all right? Thank you, brother. Thank you, thank you yes, very indeed. much. I thank you for that, brother. Thank you. And um so what I wanted to so I was getting ready to say, and I thank my brother for letting me know that because you know, it's always good that when it comes to dealing with the people, we always can you know, put um, basically um, inform the people as much as we can about things that can help them and that and that they can have a role in actively helping themselves. So getting black to the point now. So in dealing with our programs and platform, we, we have a seven-day, um, seven days of programs that we deal with in a, in a very exacerbated way. Now, what I was getting ready to say is this. If we're at war and warfare, a lot of people know 
that we're at war. So when they become revolutionaries, or at least try to be, or become warriors, um, a lot of times we think that it's all about just pulling the trigger. We don't understand how deep what's, what's being waged against us is, especially the so- social engineering aspect, that there's war and warfare. Now, I have something known as the warrior code that, that I've written, and there's a self-defense system I created called Tafika Yakali Tutakinga. That's the long the long um, way to explain it, which means Pan-African self-defense system. The short definition is Tutakinga, which means self-defense. And in this, it's a black self-defense system that's based on our culture and our experience. It's based on our science, which means that, or as karate was developed amongst a people who were farmers and peasants in their area, they had to use the tools, the grades, whatever, whatever, to defend and protect themselves based on the science of war they was dealing with in warfare. Same thing um, with things that came out of that area, judo, uh, um, um jiu-jitsu, and then other areas, kung fu, and these things, people's culture and the science of war and warfare they were dealing with. Even Western boxing. Western boxing, we know, starting off in um, some aspects of Europe, even though they plagiarized things we're already doing in Africa um, in an artistic way as well, in scientific way, but just getting to the point where the crackers did with it. Western boxing was spoiled, and we know whenever these crackers get involved with it, they put some perversion in there where they was butt naked at times, boxing, and then they got the wrestling they threw in there, so it was sport and play. So, but at the same time, you got things of that nature today that's popular among us. Like we got MMA, which involves Western boxing, wrestling, and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. A lot of these things have been designated into sport, and the science is about tap out, and the science is about submission. Now, with this system, we um, the strikes that we use also come from um, the um, Dimbe system of West Africa and Luta and among other systems that I've studied over the years. Um, you know, I was on the ground in the Sudan, you know, fighting for on the front line for our people's freedom and liberation. And some of my great comrades there uh, in the um, SPLA and, and other dynamics of dealing with this thing where they had genocide there. And a lot of people think it was just African Muslims versus African Christians when it was just all of us together as one with mercenaries coming in in blackface to carry out an agenda for the enemy for genocide and control of that area. And that's another topic for another time. But I say that to say, even there, you know, I was I was privileged to study um, in the Nuba wrestling systems and things of that nature. So a lot of it has African base, but it also has a new African base, meaning that the Africans in the diaspora, because of our condition and situation, where we got crackers coming with ropes and guns in our face and crackers in blackface who are the socially engineered niggas in the street, black people who act like white people. Well, the reason why I say that is this. If black life is not worth living to you, then you have become an enemy to black life, and you're no more than the oppressor, the cracker in blackface. So we have to deal with each issue the same way. And so what this system does, we deal with uh, weapons, we train um, pistol accuracy, rifle, shotgun, disarmament, knife disarmament, but also black racial survival and what I call a black racial situational awareness and combat mindset where we're on cue to constantly know how to deal with the war um, that is waged against us. So just getting black to the point of the programs. So in dealing with the program, that's one aspect with the defense, and I was talking about war and warfare. If you don't understand and you can't see that a brother or sister starving in the street, being killed by starvation, a brother or sister um, homeless, being destroyed by the elements and dying, a brother or sister 
um, in the street that's constantly a victim of insanity and dying because of it, us attacking each other, like what happened to McDonald's. If you don't see that as a part of, of as the same on the same level as somebody being shot in their head in the street by these crackers, if you can't see that on the same level, and if your work of this war and revolution and warfare and black power is not on that level, then you got to check your sight because there's no difference. See, um, what I surmise is that war, we know, is the killing and murking. But warfare are the tools and strategies and objectives used to obtain war, which means this. If you're dealing with an enemy and they're depending on economics as their base, then you wage economic warfare. If you're dealing with an enemy and food, as we all got to eat, we all need food and water. But as their base, then you have food warfare, or you, de- you starve them, or you make them malnourished, and you poison them with psychochemical warfare and drugs and toxins and things of that nature. But if you have an enemy that their bonds are, are, are their power structure, then you have a type of warfare against their family paradigm or their bond paradigm as hypersexuality and homosexuality has destroyed the black African family paradigm. And the dynamic of dealing with the statistics, but getting on to the point. So if you understand the same dynamic that all of these things are equal to somebody being murked in the street, then you have clarity. So the point that I'm saying is this. This is where the confusion came in because now we develop this culture. Oh, we're going to kill a cracker. Let's kill a cracker. That's good to say, right? Let's kill a cracker. That's good to say. But if you ain't killing the cracker on your table when you're eating food, them GMOs, if you ain't killing the cracker aspect of us starving in the street and us being homeless and us attacking and murking each other, if you're not killing that cracker, then we're going to have an issue because when it comes to the last, the, the funny part is that any warrior or soldier that's been on the front line will tell you. I'm talking about in live battle, not to say that we are not in that, but I'm just saying that's been in certain aspects of what we would consider modern militaries. They'll let you know that when it comes to busting a shot, as I myself have been on the front line many times, but in a way protecting Africans, when it comes to um, busting a shot, They'll let you know that's the last part of war. The first part of war is warfare, psychological warfare. If your enemy's mind is, is it, to break down their mind and how they think is necessary, then you wage psychological warfare against your enemy. So these are the things that we're dealing with, starvation, hunger, um, homelessness, um, um, us, being, us attacking each other. All is, a, all is a part of the warfare waged against us. So our programs are used to change that. So we have a ministry of health um, where um, on one day in particular during the week, um, we actually um, um, have the community come out. We do hypotension and hypertension, you know, um, basically testing, uh, which, you know, that's dealing with high blood pressure and low blood pressure, diabetes. Um, we, we cover various aspects of, of screening in the health capacity, but we also um, have classes during that particular same day that repairs uh, the psychological damage that has been done to us. Um, there's a diagnosis that I diagnose from a, a standpoint. Now I'll just say, you diagnose, yes. I ain't trying to just throw 
out there because I don't give a damn about this cracker system like that. But I will say this, you know, um, you know, I have a, a master's degree in psychology and a doctorate degree in neurology and a master's in military science. I ain't about to get too deep on that. But I will say for those that want to say, well, who are you? First of all, I didn't have any of that. I'm a goddamn black man living in the Western Hemisphere. And goddamn it, ain't nobody know the psyche of a person like we do any goddamn ways. And if I don't have the real right. degree, <clears throat> black power, that's right, brother. And if I don't have the real degree, which is the degree of the hood, the degree of the streets, the degree of the trappings of the science in that, where the grassroots of our people are, then I ain't got nothing. Some say ghetto scholarship is bad. Well, I use the term ghetto scholarship because in that particular thing, I'm also a ghetto scholar amongst being an empirical scientific scholar. So I keep it all the same. If you don't know how to identify with us as a people in the grassroots level, then you ain't got nothing going on. But getting back to the point, let me get back to the major point of what I'm talking about. So in dealing with all these particular things, we got to cover certain aspects. So we also have a reparative dynamic where we deal with black mental health and the repair of the black family structure. Um, the family paradigm, black relationships. So this this goes on the same particular day with the other health issues that we deal with in food, proper nutrition for us, proper diet or, or proper a proper way of eating for our people because we don't comprehend how food is a form of warfare, and that's how a lot of us fall right. off. And I'm not going to call any names among our comrades, but I had comrades who had fallen um ill, I mean, who are alive right now, though, because just they don't have their diet together. They they think it's okay, but if you don't understand that the enemy puts foods and things out there that target melanin, especially you, melanin, and target us in particular, right. then you don't know what's going on. But um, right. the what white I wanted flour, to say, the white rice, the white sugar, that's right. <laughs> that's right. that white milk, you know what I'm saying? That's right. Those white cigarettes, you that's know? That's right. Is ultimately going to lead to that white woman. Especially <laughs> <laughs> down. You know? That's right. And, and and if we can't see that distinction, that white salt, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it it's all there. You know what I mean? It's all there. It's, it's, it's live in effect. And, I mean, I've had this conversation with some of our brothers and sisters that, you know, are just out there and they're hearing the information and they're stimulated by some things that they hear and then, you know, they peek in and I'll drop that information and they'll quietly come around and, and ask for more information pertaining to that and, you know, ask the right questions. But, yes, I'll be around people that are, you know, supposed to be frontline soldiers. And when I drop this information around them, they seem very resistant to it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and and, and that bugs exactly. me out. Where it's like yeah. you can't have it both ways. Like we're saying that this adversary <clears throat> is attacking you every which way. And I'm saying this is the easy way to identify it. If the shit is white, don't fuck with it. <laughs> In your That's kitchen, true. don't put that into your body because, you know, it's, it's, it's refined. It's, there's nothing natural about it. And they can't, they be the hardest ones to convince to see it that way. And that amazes me. That just blows me away. I could go on a trap and give me five or ten minutes 
and they'll get it. The white coat. <laughs> you know? I could give them that whole paradigm I just explained to you and then end right up in the uh in the, what you call it, you know, in the pot and point it out. And I'm like that coke is, 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 you know, the last piece of the puzzle. You know what I'm saying? That that little rock that dropped Goliath, you know, from a slingshot that was slung. You know what I'm saying? That rock that was slung, you know, is gonna be dropping giants. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, give it to them like that, they could get it. You know what I'm saying? From from, from David, from the house of a, you know, <laughs> from the hand of a Jew, apologize to my Hebrew Israelites out there. I'm just using an analogy. You know? And they they understand that. They get it. They're like, oh, shit. That do make some sense. You know what I'm saying? That's right. That's right. And then especially if, if yeah, if if you park the, uh, a truck up right in front of the trap house or what have you, and you chefing up the alternative, they're going to bump with you. They're going to come out and get what you got. And that starts, you know, the shift. You know what I'm saying? Because you, you have to, the alternative should be present. You know what I'm saying? Especially when you're taking drugs away from people because that's all that food is. You know, when True. you're taking them drugs out of people's hands, when you're dismantling, you know what I'm saying, them killing themselves, you know, or firing them shots in their face every day. You know, it, it should be it should be incumbent upon you to show up with the alternative. That much more easier to bring a person over to your side if you have that available rather than them going and searching and looking. Like I said, man, I'll have these conversations with, you know, people that should know better, quote-unquote revolutionaries, and they don't get it. <laughs> they all seem to be like, you know, slaves of their urges, and their urges lead them right back to the diabolical plan of their adversary. And I'll That's be like, right. wow. That's right. That's right. You're right. And the, the deep the deep aspect with what you're saying, because what you're saying is deep already, the deep aspect is that that's the whole point of understanding for our brothers and sisters who are on the front line, all of us who are, you on the front line, I'm on the front line, all of us who are, to understand war and warfare. You think, oh, yeah, I'm ready to kill this cracker. I've been training in the bushes. Yeah, that's good, brother. But what about when we go on the battlefield and we're going to have to run? Can you run with me? Can you go about five miles without falling out? How's your health? How often do you work out? See, some people go to the gym to work out to look in the mirror and play with their chest on Facebook doing selfies. Some niggas do that. But some of us actually go and train and get strong <laughs> to deal with our enemy and also to deal with our health. And health is very important. Right. Health is very important. You can't be no warrior, no revolutionary. You can't be in time of black power. You can't be in the dynamic without having your health in check because that's what the enemy goes after. That's the first thing. You could be the best killer in the world. But if you got a messed up diet, you're, you're going to die. What happened to, I'm going to give an example, and I'm not trying to, this ain't for no long talk. Or what you talking about Che Guevara for? Okay, I'm giving an example. Che Guevara was a, a deep revolutionary. I'm just saying this as he, him being a revolutionary. However, it was his health that ultimately put him in a position where he was easy to be found and easy to be murked, smoking a damn cigar in the bushes because he had lung issues. Mm. So he couldn't make it too far. Constantly got to hit him in the back. He falling down, and he eventually got captured. But the point is that you got to comprehend the essentials of health. Like those of us, we out here drinking, we out here, you know, smoking cigarettes, 
cannabis, whatever the hell it is we don't. You know what I'm saying? If we think that the constant abuse to our bodies, if that is okay, and we're going to be able to make it, then we got some issues. And I'm not being disrespectful and saying I'm just being 100 as somebody on the front line dealing with our people. Let me tell you something. There's a respect level. When I go in the trap, they don't blow no smoke in my face. They put it down. They say, you know, dark hair, you know, chill, bro, chill. They put that away. They got to respect because I, I've taught them how to get right. themselves together. So they're so they working on it. You know what I'm saying? They're working on it. But the point I'm saying is that it, even if you can't stop it, at least identify that one day you're going to have to be really serious about dealing with this war and dealing with this enemy because we also got to deal with psychochemical warfare. And I don't give a damn if you were smoking cherries or tomatoes or if you were smoking, um, you know, currants or if you were smoking, um, you know, any uh, kale, if you were uh, somehow found a way to smoke spirulina. Anything you smoke is carcinogenic. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, talk about it's, it. It's a carcinogen. It's going to mess with your lungs. It's going to mess with your body. It's going to mess with your mind. So we shouldn't be doing any damn ways, regardless of what it is. We shouldn't, you know. But we know how culture and things are and how certain things have been socially engineered on us. Like, for example, in the 1940s, the OSS, who's, who actually is the root base of the CIA, they had a project they worked on where they found a way. This is in the 1940s now to deal with enemy soldiers for right. control, um, to create a condition of irresponsibility. To create this is this is what they wrote. I'm just quoting what they wrote. Uh, irresponsibility and inhibition. They said if you take tobacco and mix it with marijuana, you can get this state. And they they did that um, in in many studies. And they called this um, TD. Look it up. OSS um, TD marijuana. Um, it's mind control, whatever the hell it is. Now, we're not saying that that's, you know, because I know some people want to be slick now. Oh, they've been controlling our mind. You better believe that. I was just getting into what I was talking about, um, our psychological state. And um, I just want to go through something real quick, brother. Um, you know, it, it's, it's not too I mean, tedious. Hold on. I mean, but, but, but before you um, continue, because I just want to link the connection to what you're saying, because I, you know, I have vivid um, recollections in my own youth about when I first started seeing certain things and there wasn't a precedent for it prior to that. So when I hear people that were older than me talk about tray bags and everything in my hood, you know what I'm saying? They was rolling tray bags and and, and, um, paper. That's right. You feel me? (laughs) They was rolling tray bags and all of that in paper. And then all of a sudden I remember... um, you know, I was much younger, of course. I remember being in the park, and the older, the older, the older dudes, you know, they was like, "Y'all, y'all go over there. Y'all go over there. We about to smoke." And then it's the first time I remember observing them um, splitting the Dutch Master or Philly at that time, because it was Phillies that they was on, and they split the Philly, you know, and put the weed inside. And, you know, from that point on, that has that was all I had seen. You know what I'm saying? Nobody was smoking J's until recently it made a revival. You know what I'm saying? Um, and they consider it, you know, a white boy thing. And they started getting back on that. So I just found it very weird. And I was trying to always realize and figure out, you know, when did they start the tobacco? And how can you sell Negroes something called a Dutch master? <laughs> And, and that be an accepted medium of how 
you're going to um, inebriate yourself, you know, uh, with, with, with tobacco called Dutch Masters, you know, a tobacco right. leaf. So, You're right. You know, it would be very and, interesting um, if we could come up with that information as to how that, um, you know, how that how that mixture came about. Yes, absolutely. I, I cover it. I, I'll get into some of it, um, you know, pretty um, as concise as I can. Um, I did. I, I covered this, and it was called the the um, what is it called? The the race war and the black warrior in peril. Um, I did this on. Um, uh, take a second. March the it was in March the fifth. And it was a it was a topic I discussed, and then I get into some to, some real vivid details about it. But I'm a kick I'm a kick some of it right now, just um, as concise as, as we can do it because it's a deep thing. See, in order to mm-hmm. understand the dynamic of how that became something popular, like you said before that we wasn't doing it, right? What happened is that okay, they had the studies. Okay, since then in the '40s, we know out of those studies, then you got certain chains of certain aspects of white military intelligence that. Uh, went to King, that island there uh, at the King Alfred military base and came back with the King Alfred plan. You know, um, that's a discussion and topic within itself. From that, you've got different facets of white intelligence coming out the CIA, um, as it became known, out of the OSS that had a King Alfred um, psychochemical warfare um, division um, that worked with a, a project of the King Alfred plan, the mind control project known as MK Ultra. Uh, where they work with um, aspects of psychochemical warfare combined with um, psychological warfare and social engineering. And this is a thing. Okay, we know that before the 1960s, in our community, we still dealt with a collective social cohesion way of thinking, meaning that regardless if you was a Negro, regardless if you was just a brother or sister in the street trying to, trying to grind nine to five, wherever you were, we always knew that it was one struggle. So the black doctor, the black teacher, the black pastor, these were considered the same things in our community at one point in time. Sat there in the struggle and helped to support those who were fighting for our rights as we understood it at that time, something for us. And so the community was basically collective and to the point where we got arms to kick our power. You know, the 60s, we we identified with um, black power and being armed with black power. Black is beautiful and the thing for that. And that became an addition to our struggle. But what the enemy did when the 70s came in, they had to put certain things into effect. Coming, I know I'm kicking some words out there. I know it's called um, Operation Garden Plot, uh, which is the military's form of COINTELPRO. Um, the CIA's version you of COINTELPRO. You said Garden Plot? Yeah, Garden Plot. G-A-R-D-E-N, just regular garden, and plot. Operation Garden Plot. Um, this is the U.S. military's version of COINTELPRO. The CIA version is wow. known as MH Chaos, yeah, Operation Garden Plot. And so what they did was with this particular thing is the Operation Garden Plot got put into effect, and this dealt with social engineering and psychological warfare, along with ground warfare aspects of, of, of dealing with us. So all of a sudden now, you got it to where um, we were throwing our fist up. You're, the strong image of the black man was in the image of of Eldridge Cleaver, old school Bobby Seale, Huey P. Newton, Fred Hampton Singer, a senior, Bunchy Carter, and the strong image of the black woman was the bold but still feminine and revolutionary image of old school. I say old school. Now, Angela Davis, 
uh, our great warrior queen sister, still revolutionary. <laughs> you know I got to do that. <laughs> Asada Shakur, beautiful queen, um, and still yes. holding it down on on the ground. And we say, I don't mention her name, I'm saying, you know, hands off of her. The beast tried to even assume to put their hands on her. We will deal with that the most effective way because you can't touch our warrior queen. Now, going going on to the images of, of of a of a Feeney back then and other great sisters. This is a strong image of the black woman and, and her beauty and femininity, but still a revolutionary. All of a sudden it was circumvented with social engineering. First they came in with a music change. That was a part of the social engineering psychological warfare and they brought dope with it. So heroin became a major thing. At one point we wasn't too fond of the needles. So what happens is that they started the psychedelic funkadelic, and with that came LSD. We wasn't too fond of tripping. So um, in it, they, then they came with perverted forms of um, cannabis. We know that traditionally cannabis can range from, you know, maybe a 2 THC to about a 4. They perverted the way you got tens, and they dumped it on the community. It plagued the Caribbean community a lot, especially in the Rastafari culture, um, because we know that that started off as a revolutionary culture under our great brother, Lyndon Percival Howe, who was a revolutionary, uh, who gave us yes. uh, in that community six principles. Uh, and one of them was war with the cracker. That was one of the principles. All of a sudden, it got circumvented with psychochemical warfare. And what this was a very disrespect to me is when we throw up greats like Robert Nestor Molly, we always got this picture with this big blunt, not understanding that he was more than that to us. He was such a he did so much for our community. He did so much for our people. He fed people. He clothed people. I'm not saying this as a stranger because I'm a comrade in many aspects to um, to um, the the continuation of of the struggle that he fought for. One of my comrades, who is Dr. Carl um, Frazier. Now I know some people are confused about it, but the enemy would like it to be that way. He was also known as Bob Marley's doctor, which he was, but he was a comrade of Bob Marley long before. One of the first, um, at, at one particular time, um, Rastafari brothers in the world to, you know, be a medical doctor. He's the official doctor to the entire Rastafari community. He was mm-hmm. Prince Emmanuel, the Bubba Shanti's doctor, um, Gad of the Twelve Tribe, and also, um, you know, Shashamani land. Um, you know, this is the medical work um, he does. And um, I and uh, my comrade um, in June were supposed to go to Shashamani land for some medical work I'm on the ground. And, and you know, they, um, a lot of the brothers and sisters there, they don't even deal with nobody else except the people they can identify with. But just getting back, let me get back to the point. Though. So dealing with the psychochemical warfare, right. so they dumped that on the community there. And then they came up with something better. They took a perverted form of cocaine, dumped it in the community, and now music came with a disco. And if you was in the disco with Coke, you had all the women and everything. But it also came with a cultural perversion, social engineering. So the Afro turned into a perm, you know, a process. Then they put the black exploitation, mm-hmm. the Mac, and super, I mean, Superfly. You know what I'm saying? We identify with that. And that's when the collectivism changed to an individualism. I got to get mine, nigga. You know, that's what right. happened. And then we became sissified, you know. <laughs> What's up, cool breeze? With the lady mink on, we pimps now, we hate women, you know, all that other stuff. <laughs> and that happened to us. And the Jerry Curl, the curly fern came, Prince, Michael Jackson, that was our culture, grown black men with spike bracelets and, you know what I'm saying, uh, snorting coke and, and selling crack cocaine and doing all kind of stuff. But 
That's why I talk about the revolutionary conscious community because we changed that. 86, 87, 88, 90, we changed it, and we wasn't doing it no more, and it, it, it got with the music. So I'm just getting how that particular blunt process came. So what happened? The revolutionary conscious community had gotten so strong that we began to act out on a different way, on the war part, because we were dealing with warfare. We were hitting levels to where even the crackers MTV had no choice but to display us doing music, calling him the devil. They just had to do mm-hmm. it because it was just overwhelming in the population like that. So what happened is that when the LA Rebellion came on the scene, this was an energy that we was doing throughout the country. The cracker got to see the active war part of this particular dynamic we were dealing with, revolutionary uh, consciousness. And so what happens is that Operation Garden Plot was put into effect. I want everybody. I know y'all like to go on Google, so go on it for something, you know, for yourself in this way. And um, go put in Operation Garden Plot if you want to know the dynamic of it and put L.A. Riot, as they want to call it. And you'll see that was also put into effect then. Put Operation Garden Plot, Dr. King, Operation Garden Plot, um, Civil rights, whatever you want to do, but for right now, put Operation God and plot LA riots and see what comes up. So they put that into effect then. And so now you'll note, before 1992, Africa symbol on our hat, Africa symbol on our chest, uh, Africa symbol medallions is how we identify with ourselves. Even the X we had in those medallions and on our hats, red, mm-hmm. black, and green, and kinterclock, all mm-hmm. of a sudden, and we was brothers, we was. Uh, old, I'm going to say old school one more time for this person. I mean, one more time, reference to another person. Old school, Queen Latifah. Sister Soldier. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say old school. <laughs> when we had the great warriors, you know, out of public enemy, you know, um, Professor Griff, you know what I'm saying, and, and the X-Clan, and, and we was doing it. But we was, as, we was brothers, sisters, kings, and queens at that time. Red, black, mm-hmm. and green, Africa symbols on our hat, medallions and chest. You'll note that we went from being kings and queens and revolutionaries and warriors to being rat tat tat to the chat like that, never hesitate to put the nigga on the nigga on his back. And then when that came about though, it started off with the same Operation Garden Plot, black social engineering of the seventies. It started off with was the Mac, was it the Mac, yeah. Where it says, you know we gotta change. You know, we got in order to change, we got paraphrasing, we gotta destroy the pushers, the pimps and the dealers and start this thing all over. And say, nigga, is you crazy? Rack a tat 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 never hesitate to put a nigga on his back. And then not being vulgar audience. Our sisters went from our queens and warrior queens to be bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks. That's how the culture changed. Then Africa turned into a marijuana leaf. Now we had the marijuana leaf on our hat. The marijuana leaf medallion on our neck, and it started what they call in science. Look this up, family. They call it the blunt culture. They even got studies on it. The National Institute of Health got a study on it. The blunt generation. I mean, blunt generation. Look it up. Wow. Blunt generation. <laughs> they got entire studies, but I'm talking about like fifty page studies. Fifty page studies for blunt generation, and they get deep into it. Every aspect of it. The blunt generation, and it all comes out stuff they've been studying for a long time, how to put these um, toxic elements together. And it just, they dumped it heavy in our community. Dr. Dre became a spokesperson. And j- just like other people, became, like Michael Jackson was a spokesperson. I ain't trying to disrespect his family or him personally because they're victims too. But I'm just saying that effeminate Jerry Curl and eye line around your eyes and them capri pants and hot waters with the silver socks, 
I don't want none of y'all to lie. If you was at least a teen in the goddamn early 80s, you know you had a jerry curl. Just don't even play with it. You know you had a jerry curl. You know you did. Oh, you no. You know you trying to be like that. Was, yeah, that was a wave. <laughs> Yeah. You know you was moonwalking, so thank, don't even play yeah. with it. <laughs> thank God, my father. Yeah, you know, my father still got an afro to this day, and that's, that's like a like paradigm that he was just him and my mother. They fought so hard against. So yeah, they was looking at it like it was crazy. Like yeah, they was looking at it like they doing crazy. what? So it, I, I understand <laughs> what you say about and he, my father broke down when they went in to see Superflower Afros and it came out with perms. That's you know, he did say that they were compromised during that era where, you know, um, like you're saying, and, and, and did you did you include also the influence of what Vietnam did to the brothers as well? I, I didn't touch Vietnam? that, but that, that's important. Go ahead. Go ahead. Elaborate on that, but you're right. That's important, too. Because Vietnam well, was a whole different level. You mean the addicts that came back too, right? The addicts that came back, the drug culture that was um, basically uh, ushered in through the whole Vietnam culture. And, you know, the removal of certain elements of brothers and sisters, you know what I'm saying, of a certain breed that were very um, instrumental in the black power movement, you know what I mean, those boots on the ground and things of that nature. And when they came back, they were compromised. You know, it wasn't about black power anymore. They would they would secretly say it, but because of the experiences that they had over there, you know, it, it just shifted the conversation. And it's like you were saying, the pimp culture was uh, actually, you know, accepted. When you look at um, what's what's that uh, Battle of Algiers with France Fernand in them? That's right. If anybody's familiar with that, the first scene when the revolution started. This is what um, I believe this is a tenet of socialism and whatnot. The pimps, everybody, the pimps are the first ones to go. That's right. Pimps and the prostitutes, you know, yeah. The pimps and the prostitutes are the first ones to go. When they when they rose up in Algeria against the French, those were the first ones to go because those are deemed the scum of, those are the bottom of the, of the totem. Those are the scum of the earth um, in terms of, especially when we go into war, because those are the ones who will be compromised. Because everything has a price, you know, and if you're selling, it was seen as if you're selling your own, you know, uh, sister or your mother or whatnot. And prior to that, I was explaining the other day of of what the what the uh, what the scourge of crack did in terms of breaking a code that never really existed prior to that. Whereas you can have a, a man of a younger age sleep with someone's mother or someone of a a, a woman of an older age just based off of the, uh, you know, just based off of them wanting to get that drug. Just based off of the transaction, yeah. Just based off of the transaction. I was told that even in the heroin dens, the opium dens, even with the scourge of um, heroin, with with the dope fiend sick and everything, that wasn't as prevalent, you know what I'm saying, as what, you know, it wasn't as prevalent as crack there. My mother told me that when women were able to give up their child, their, their, their baby for a drug, that was unprecedented in history up until that point, you know. Um, So, I mean, you're dropping it. I'm just just trying to keep up, you know what I'm saying? But please go in. Please continue. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I thank you for for, for what you just dropped, you know, because that's important, that factor about the soldiers that came back. That's very important. Thank you, brother. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I will. um, 
You're welcome, brother. Continue. So so that particular social engineering process, everybody want to look like that, print, you know, that perm thing and all of that, and then the dope element. Rick James. Yeah, Rick James, there you go, you know, super freak and all that craziness. And then you got um, grown black men with rollers in their hand and, and goddamn plastic caps on their head talking about, brace yourself, fool, <laughs> drive-by shootings with J-Cubs. Drive-by, you know what I'm saying? Grown black men fighting and killing, breakdancing and stuff. I mean, we was tripping, but that's, that was the level we was at, though, because of what had the social engineering process. But then, you know, we prevailed. We got smart. And one thing, too, the white man is always at a very dis- a tactical disadvantage. For some reason, they're so dumb, they forget who we are. So they created Just Say No as a trick. But you forget who we are. We're the kind of person that you could do whatever you want to do to us, but there's something about you, you melanin, EU hyphen melanin. There's something about that in our brain and our pituitary gland, the pineal gland, and the way we process things that sometimes no matter what you do to us, I know they got a serious warfare on those things, but I'm just saying, no matter how, how hard you do it, there's something in us that if you throw us in the church and you tell us that, you know, the Pope is the most pious, holiest thing on the earth, when we know that's a bunch of perverted madness because that's what they are, perverts, but at the mm-hmm. same damn time, we'll be more holier than the description of the Pope in the Catholic Church. You throw us in the masjid, you know, the imam may come in and do cookbars and say, you know, you know, you know, he, he may come and do all his little razzle-dazzle, but we more holy. We know every son, every hadith more than the imam. You throw us in the synagogue. You throw us in the temple. We know everything about, we know, uh, we, we could break down everything in Bereshit, in Genesis, and we can go all through the process of 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 Torah um, or or, or mm-hmm. um Torah or the Tanakh or whatever dynamic we're coming from in that science. We, and we will be more more Hebrew, more Israelite, or for use of lesser terms, more Jewish or Judaic or Yehudi or Yedahadaha than anybody else. Anything you put us in, that's how it was. So when they said, just say no, niggas said, hell yeah, just say no. And we stopped. Mm-hmm. We just said no. <laughs> Though they made it as a trick. We put it down, and we, and we went on a campaign against it, and revolutionary black consciousness came to the same. But then, like I was saying, they circumvented it, and a new culture came into existence. And it's so deep of how our whole entire system began to um, – our whole entire struggle began to be circumvented. And then what did they do? They brought the same characters back in. Okay, so now the new Superfly was Nino Brown. You know what I'm saying? Because you look at him, he looked just like Big Daddy King. And some of the the new revolutionaries that that Make took the that, yeah had the the natural, but now we faded the natural. You know, sometimes we put some locks on top of the natural. You know, but and it was faded in a way. Please, for, please don't forget Scarface, which was the intermediate. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah in, just, just get okay. ready. Yeah, just get ready to touch that one. So what they did, thank you, my brother. And what they did is that so Danino Brown came on the scene to circumvent that. But let me let me kick some. This is for all of us to think. And you and y'all deep as hell, deep as hell. Now all the deep people think about this one. Not only did they socially engineer us to be so perverted in our character and conduct, because you know Foxy Brown became that image of, um, you know, the, the circumventing the strong image of old school Angela Davis and our great warrior queen Assad and the Feeney and all and um and um Kathleen Cleaver and the great sisters. But check this out: Superfly circumvented the image of the brother in the street because the image of the brother in the street was a revolutionary. Now he was a pimp. And now you had to identify with that because now he became your hero and he won by saying, I'm a guy to get mine, nigga, instead of it being collected. But check out what happened, though. You ain't thought about this part what they did to you, huh? 
they took the exact revolutionary image and made it a cop shaft. Yeah. Got an afro and leather jacket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now that agent that been infiltrating us, the agent that's been infiltrating us, just like some today that walk around in the dashikis and tell us how to talk and not how to talk, and I ain't calling out no names, but that agent that infiltrated us, right? The agent that <laughs> infiltrated us now looks just like the revolutionary. And so now we were now desynthesized to accepting them and humanizing them. Check out what happened with, with the Nino Brown effect. They brought the agent back, and he looked just like us. He had on the Africa medallion, you know what I'm saying, Ice-T. You know, he was the, he was the, the agent in the movie. He had on the, the, um, the Africa right, medallion. Right. He had locks, you know what I'm saying? And so yeah. now we re-identify with this same silly-ass agent. Now, but, but getting mm. back to the point, excuse my language, audience, but getting back to the point now. So what happens is that we be got, we be, they tried to circumvent our movement with these things again, bringing a new superfly, the new culture, but we're going to get into Tony Montana. Because, see, this is the thing about it, okay? All revolutionaries had a respect for Che Guevara because how he traveled all over the world and fought revolution, so he was put on the yeah. wall. What they did with King Alfred, when they exclusively included what we like to say is brown, but then it really don't make no sense because um, the, the African diaspora is in the Hispanophone, the Francophone, which means Latin America, the Caribbean, mm-hmm. the West Indies is all the Multiple. same. You got African black slaves and white slave masters. Some of us come out looking a little different because of the level of rape or, the, or whatever um, tribe was put into the effect, but the whole point is that these are Africans. So I'm just saying about our people there identifying with certain things, I'm just saying. But just getting to change. So a lot of our people in this part of the world identified with Che Guevara because he came from the, that part of the world. But at the same time, all revolutionaries did because he traveled. So he was put on our wall. All of a sudden, in the King Alfred plan, they begin to include the Latin American uh, diaspora, heavy, and they put Rex 84. That was the addition to King Alfred plan, Rex 84. And everybody can look that up, Rex 84. So with Rex 84, that's when, you know, the whole Nicaragua thing and now the exacerbation of this cocaine thing, and everybody always want to look for, you know, it was about money. It was about dope. No, it was about extermination because the crack is more, it's more than money to them. It's land, resources, food, and the planet is more important to them than some little paper money they made up to put the value on anyway with this fiat system. Another topic for another time, but getting back to the point. So now they brought Tony Montana to circumvent Che Guevara. So we took that picture down, and we put up this fake wannabe Cuban that was really an Italian cracker, Al Pacino. So that began to get exactly. involved in both sides of the culture. Both sides of the culture. The, the, the diaspora in America uh, speaking English and the diaspora in Latin America speaking Spanish. And then all over the world, it began to trickle down. So Che got replaced with Tony Montana. And then they came up with this new superfly that was Nino. So that got embedded into the culture. And then they had to come up with a concept. So... They, they they struck gold with, you know, Birdman and Lil Wayne, you know, with Cash Money and, you know, um, and the Carter, his name happened to be Carter. So he had the albums, the Carter, and the little vibe with Master P and this fake falsified image of Tupac. They wanted to exacerbate and, you know, Master P, hardly if you hear me, and all of that began to remold them. Yeah, remember, so, yeah, is there heaven for a gangster? That was all Tupac energy that, that right you, after Pac right. came out. P came right after that. That's right, that's right. And then that image, too, the MX wanted to look like it, Ja Rule wanted to look like it, 50 played with it. So these were the, the mm-hmm. dynamics, and that's how they circumvented us. They took that energy and flipped it, and now we became 
flipping keys, flipping birds, and just crazy stuff. That Nano Brown falsified Tupac image and um, a perverted Tupac image because we know Tupac was doing some things, but there was an old school Tupac that was doing different things. And I don't want to uh, honor Tupac and may rest in power, but the point is that we're just talking about how they did that because people wouldn't know he was a revolutionary. You know what I'm saying? They they only know what they what they thought they saw on the TV. But he warned us though. You can look at a, um, the interview he did with Fab Five Freddy. It was in, um, in 1992. And on Young TV Raps, and he said what they're doing right now, he said they're changing this whole thing. He said we can't talk about revolution no more. We can't talk about black nationalism or pan-Africanism anymore. He said they told us if we do, that we can't do no more music. He said, so this new album I'm coming out with, he said, I'm going to have to slide it in there. This is an interview now. He said, but you know what I'm saying? Because they feared, they realized from what we were doing in these streets with the rebellion that we could break them off anytime we want to. So they had to deal, they had to change it. So he talked about it. He warned people about what was going on too. But getting back to the point though. So now we go all, out of all of that into a new dynamic. Now they got the social media engineering. So then we went from the streets to the, the, we talk about Operation Garden Plot and all this other stuff that we're dealing with. Now think about this. COINTELPRO existed for a long time, and they, we talk, I just mentioned MH Chaos. I just mentioned Operation Garden Plot. These things existed for a long time. COINTELPRO existed for almost 100 years, and with almost 100 years, I mean, of course, it still existed, but I'm just saying, with almost 100 years of COINTELPRO couldn't do, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram has been successful with less than uh, roughly about 10 years, and so it has done things to us in a way that the cracker is like, you know, um, they're in heaven right now, in their own heaven uh, and own paradise based on um, the effect that this has had, you know, because on the plantation even, the, the the biggest fear they had was us knowing what we were doing, I'm saying. I mean, I'm sorry. The biggest work they had to do was to learn what we were doing. And the biggest fear they had was us doing things in secret because it might meant it might have meant their life. So they constantly had spies and agents amongst us to um, give them information, but then they didn't they didn't know if they could really trust it. So it was always important to the white man to have investigation and intelligence on the slaves because he always fed us. So then they when they did the Emancipation Proclamation and years out of that, they had to develop organized intelligence. So eventually that became known as the FBI. We know what his predecessors was called. Um, um, but And then we know Giga Hoover got into the mix and Gavi became one of the major projects, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the point I'm getting ready to make is that what 100 years of that couldn't do, what MH, MH Chaos and MK Ultra, MK Naomi, and its prepubescent and even adolescent and, and full operation states couldn't do, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram has done in no, in no amount of time. That the cracker don't even have to send nobody out to your living room or your house or in your group or organization, your family to watch you. Niggas are on Facebook telling all their business. Hey, hell, I, I got this cook. You know I, I just got this cook. Hey, y'all, look at this. Look at this. Look at that. Hell, we go. Yeah, we we going to Georgia this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we going to Alabama this weekend. You know what I'm saying? We gonna give the white man hell to the from the cradle to the grave. Are you crazy, brothers and sisters? What are we doing, man? And then we'll leave the, the little thing on so you can know where we at. Oh, they do the they're leaving a GPS thing on. And we put our whole families on there. Hey, look at my little warrior son. You know, look at this. I'm not saying that we can't share with family. I'm not saying that we can't share with, with revolutionaries. But what I am saying is that we've gotten to relax and lax, and we've even developed forms of addiction 
We don't even know that it's addictive. They got studies that the cracker uh-huh. does. As a matter of fact, there's a study by Medical Daily that says Facebook addiction, activities, same brain areas as drugs, how social media sites hook you in. Um, it's done by um, Medical Daily coming out of uh, studies that they've done at various um, universities and just different studies um, that the Beast has done on the cause and effect. And one of them was a report called, um, it was um, published in the Journal of Psychological Reports, Disabilities and Trauma uh, Reinforces. And the researchers, um, they had, um, you know, undergraduate students fill out questionnaires in regard to addic- uh, to, uh, to addiction type system- symptoms associated with Facebook, including withdrawal, anxiety, and conflict over the site. <laughs> and then they used um, brain um, imaging um, studies <laughs> to see the effect of it. And in the end result, we know that it affected the uh, amygdala and, and regions of the brain that also dealt with impulsive behavior. And um, yes. and the patterns, you know, they went on to pair with, um, it was it was equivalent to the addiction to cocaine, family. Well, yeah, and yeah the, like and the... The brother, the brother Cosmo just posted in the chat room. Dopamine highs coming from likes on Instagram. Yeah, you know, they put the, uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Remember, family, Zuckerberg was in Harvard. That's right. That's this, right. this is a scientist, and these are social scientists. You know what I mean? Uh, he was he was a major, I believe, in computer science. So the algorithms that were created and other things, Facebook is the platform, but they've created algorithms and other other means of social engineering, like you're saying, to the point where they perfected. He, the reason why they swept up uh, MySpace and other quote-unquote social media platforms is because he perfected that platform. You know, he was able to perfect it. It evolved into what it is today. But um, please continue. Black Power, yes, indeed, brother. So, so, so here we got it to where, thank you, brother. Thank you, thank you. And so here's the thing. Now, so here we got it um, to where using Facebook is addictive. And as that brother just posted, <laughs> dopamine high from like on Instagram. That's what we're talking about. These chemicals in the in the brain that's involved with addiction are are being manipulated by this uh, this actual. Uh, we think it ain't it's not affecting us, but think about the level of the stuff you're doing. You you you're spazzing out on Facebook. You're attacking your brothers and sisters on Facebook. I know entire families that don't even talk no more. And I'm serious. I ain't even talking about revolutionaries. I'm just talking about regular black families that don't talk no more because of what somebody put on Facebook. I know about people getting murked because they was on Facebook. You said something wrong. You you didn't like you 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 put a dislike on them on Facebook, and now somebody got shot in the street. You got entire um, entire um, entire street tribes of bloods and crips murking each other and saying where they gonna meet at from Facebook vice lords, um, GDs, and all craziness all on yep. so- social media. And there's another thing. That's right. Now, here's another thing, too, from the University of Michigan in the School of Public Health. Now, they did a study, um, also known as the Michigan Youth Violence, uh, with, I'm sorry, with the Michigan Youth Violence Prevention Center. And in that study, 
is about whether social media uh, uh, basically um, um, perpetuated youth violence. And at the end of their study, they talked about how it did, how social media helped to increase that, because we know that the enemy has always portrayed violence and they glamorized it in our faces. But, you know, they gave us John Wayne and these different, you know, crack images. They glamorized John, I mean, um, Al Capone and all these, you know, killing crackers. Rambo. And yeah. All of that's right. Rambo. And, you know, it's like so many different things that they glamorize in the, in the violent sector. And then we watch that and we try to emulate even to this to this point. You know, that whole 40-ounce culture really came from watching those Porky's movies where we would see the crackers with the big kegs of alcohol and, you know, all, all case, that stuff. Right. We tried to <laughs> we yep. tried to imitate them we, and put we it in our culture. That, yeah. and, and, and so it's the same thing. So we, we imitate their matters, and that's why during the 90s, too, that came back. We was gaudy. We wanted to look. We thought we mafiosos. We capos. We want to look like these Italian criminal gangster crackers. And the point is that um, what the social media does now is, see, when you watch television and you listen to music, your mind goes into an alpha state. That's why this mind-controlled social behavior thing is so serious. Like some people take it for a joke. They don't comprehend that even food, just just food, certain foods we eat, when it, when it, when it, when it actually um, deals with levels of dopamine or sexual intercourse, it also um, deals with different levels of dopamine. And um, the, but the point that I'm saying is that when you're listening to something or watching something, it puts your mind into an alpha state where there's no defenses put up. So now all of a sudden you're watching this stuff on the TV, like Empire and all this other foolishness we're watching with the gayness, the love and hell, all crazy stuff we just getting caught up into. But the point I'm making, that's dealing with um, putting you in an alpha state, which is really getting to your subconscious and your conscious is also accepting it because you're acting it out. But this is how deep it is now. With social media, it's not only doing that. Now you are interacting with it, though. So it's on a whole different level. It's like, you know, and in, in now live and direct, you're actively involved in it. So it's on a whole different level. That's why you see them brothers, we post uh, crazy stuff on YouTube. We, we arguing at the camera and this and the next brother or the sister, this and the next sister. And it's some crazy stuff we're doing. And the white man is sitting back laughing because he know that every so-called nigga want to be a star. So he said, let's just dump this on. Give them YouTube. Watch what these niggas will do. So we on there. We think we sub. We putting, <laughs> doing all kind of craziness. <laughs> Having YouTube wars. You know what I'm saying? So that that's what they've done to us. And then they also then turned the damn so-called conscious community into what they were doing with the hip-hop music. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, this side versus that side. This side don't like that side. And it's like, and that's I what it turned into. Can I share something with you? Go, go ahead, my brother. Just to add on to what it is that you're saying, and um, I made this discovery on 125th Street yesterday, yes. you know, um, and I want to share it with the family the moment that I realized that, you know, this is, yes, it's, it's a competition sport with the quote-unquote, you know, uh, it's like the audience is now, the, or rather the spectators, they're, they're like, it's like they're in the Coliseum now. And it's become conscious, uh, combative sports where, where information could be weaponized 
and, you know, egos could become inflated with the use of weaponized information that's really not yours because nobody owns anything. You know, nothing is new under the sun. It's like if I went and dug a mummy up, I bring the mummy back to, like, you know, where all of the other archaeologists is and, and I'm acting like I'm the dude because I dug a mummy up. You know what I mean? But everything has already been here. So, yeah, brother. Um, and, and and adding on to what you say, you, we saw the influx because we come from the era of pre-YouTube when there was – when it was a community, or I like to call it a network, a collective of individual organizations, uh, different organizations, and different individuals who either come from those organizations or were heavily influenced by those organizations. I would say if your eyes are open, if you're, if you're alert or aware or conscious or have knowledge in these days and times, you will, you will influence, if you come from the culture of the 80s and the 90s, you you would you would definitely seeds were planted by either the Nation of Islam vicariously through Louis Farrakhan, his teachings, um, Elijah Muhammad or Malcolm X. Either one of those. Those were I would say eighty percent of the of the time you could not avoid back in those times that those brothers were planting seeds. The nation of gods and earth as well were pleats and uh, seed planters, and they had heavy, they had a heavy influence in the hip-hop culture with a whole golden age, that whole golden age, right, coming out of, right. uh, out, of, out of the halls of the nation of gods and earth. And if they were not a car-carrying member, they also were heavily influenced. So the Jews crew, you know, maybe Roxanne Shante or MC Shannon, you know, these guys, but they were influenced by the teachings and the workings of the Nation of Islam. Big Daddy Kane being one of the most prominent people from Brooklyn, the person who was, quote-unquote, the king of hip-hop today, and the one who was the king of hip-hop who made his transition on March 9th, 1997, they are the progenitors of that one man. They, they're, they're still working off of his yeah, hero. They're connected, they're connected to his roots. They're connected They're, to his roots. They're just leaves of, of Big Daddy Kane. He was the man in that in that quote unquote era when before the uh before the switch. The switch means the the rappers wanted to be like the guys in the streets. It doesn't matter right. if you was like a street dude, you could have been a revolutionary, you could have been a street revolutionary, you could have been a high ranking gang member. The rappers emulated the street guys told their stories, you know, and try. It was almost as if they were like troubadours. It was almost as if they were like, you know, um, like how they got in Mexico now, how the cartels hire dudes to sing for them and make songs and stuff like that. Then the switch happened where the guys in the streets lost that. They 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 wanted to be the rappers. You know that that was the the puffy era, and um, you know the post the post golden era, the post. That like you said, the NWA post. That's when the, the whole switch began to change, you know. And um, prior to the rise of social media, it was almost unheard of for anybody to publicly go at each other, teacher-wise, and even the brothers and sisters that were in the audience, the students. You would never really, even if somebody had an issue with something that was being said, it was handled in a mature manner to pay homage and respect to the spirit, not just the individual, the 
spirit of consciousness, or rather the legacy of there was a protocol the brothers and sisters had to follow, right? That's right. That That's right. Protocol did not speak of people publicly airing each other out and getting, you know, and standing on these platforms and going going at each other. Right. Right. Look, getting likes and inviting a hundred other people to comment. I don't like that nigga either. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He should have been washed up. Yo, here's all the information and the dirt on him that I was able to compile. Mm-mm-mm. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Where we at? The white man. The white man used to have to have entire teams to do that. They like what project or, ground or no or our beloved elder Dr. Ben almost lost you know, almost made transition last week. That was the rumors, right? We heard about that on a Wednesday, and then everyone was concerned. You started hearing about, I love the, the math. They, they have busloads, I heard. And what it did is, to me, it was the ancestors showing that the power of the collective, you know what I mean, something that we don't even we talk about it. I think brothers, you know, try to refer to it, you know what I mean? And there's some deep people out there that, that, that build on it, but we don't use it to our advantage. We don't understand. We, we're not we're not holding on to that in our heart and really moving with that because the power of the collective is where the magic is. That's quote-unquote magical and not to spook anybody out, but it's been it's, it's already been proven that you can change, you can send energy, you could you can hurt a person and you can help a person through the power of collective thought, things of that nature. And when we send people energy and, 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 and things of that nature, you know, it has a transformative effect in the now, like right away. And we, I believe that that's what the demonstration with Dr. Ben was. That was Wednesday. But Tuesday, the same people that were saying that, you know, they send a love and light to the doctor, right, who is a root. But a very, 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 very important root in the world of consciousness. Who okay. held and he held and his stomping grounds is Harlem and, 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 and his stomping grounds is New York. So the different leaves that have sprouted and grown in New York or in Harlem are directly related to Doctor Ben. So right. if you attack the tree, then you attack the root. If you attack the leaves, then you attack the root. You can't separate the two. That's what the European does. We That's see right. things. We were supposed to see things. I thought that the book said that we see things. And last lecture, the few lectures I went to, they said that we were supposed to see things holistically as the whole, that you can't separate the two. If my brother's hurting, then I'm hurting. If my brother, Dr. Ben, has made it, you know, to the halls of academia and represented for the nation, then God damn it, I did too. I feel proud and when I see his accomplishments. But on Tuesday, the same people that were saying, God bless Dr. Ben, were saying, fuck New York. And these niggas ain't never did nothing. And nobody said nothing in New York. And New York ain't shit. The same ones. And then they tried to single it out. Well, I like Dr. Ben. I like Phil Valentine. He's the master teacher. But all his students and everybody else is washed up. We don't even like them. Ain't never been in it. I never seen them sitting <laughs> in the audience. 
Never seen him anywhere. I've never seen him in the streets of New York. But this is what these brothers got on social media to the world. Let the world know. And I just was like, and I'm so glad that you're bringing this up. I was like, yo, this is a higher form of Cointel Pro. This is something that people, I don't think if they, I don't, I don't even think they realize what's going on at this point. It, you saying it hurts me so badly. I want to say this in reference to it, but I, I thank you for adding that to the elaboration because that's important. Let me tell you, so I want to let the entire listening audience, and if those who even said, made those statements, I want you to, I want this to be for the record as well. Here's the thing. We're at war, again, where the color of our skin of no choice of our own is our official uniform. That's how it is. But here's the thing. If you don't comprehend that whether your behind is in New York, whether your behind is in Georgia, whether your behind is in Florida, whether you're in L.A., whether you're in the Congo somewhere in Africa, whether you're um, somewhere in the East, God damn it, as long as you are a black person, as long as you are an African, as long as you are a melanated person, the cracker is your enemy in the North, the cracker is your enemy in the South, the cracker is your enemy East, West, on the continent of Africa and North America, all over the place, the cracker is your goddamn enemy. Whether you're a Hebrew Israelite and you're in the corner <laughs> saying, read on, read on. Or whether you're coming out of the halls of the comedic sciences, say Hotep and Maat Hotep and M Hotep, or even in a Hebrew fashion, you're saying, you know, Shalom, Shalom Aleichem, or Mashalom Ka, or Mashalama, depending on if you're dealing with what type of Hebrew you're dealing with, whether classical or you put a little Yiddish in it. If you're coming out of Al Islam and you're dealing with different facets of so called traditional Islam and you say, Asalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi or you're coming from another dynamic and you're dealing with a different science, you're coming into the Ifa or the Yoruba and you understand the science dealing with Ugun and, and the dynamic of Ola Dumare, whatever it is, Ifa, Vudun, Hebrew, Muslim, Kemetic, um, Nation of Islam. 5% nation, no matter what it is, as long as you are black, the crackers are goddamn enemy. So stop hating on each other. What are you talking about what didn't come out of New York? Stop playing games because all we do, that is that COINTELPRO, MH Chaos, Operation God and Plot, exacerbated foolishness of putting a coast or putting an area against the other, and they do it all the time. Now we went from the Kemetic school versus the the um five percent nation or nation of gods and earth um versus the the teachings of the honorable Elijah Muhammad which has a foundation within the five percent nation. Um uh, we know that Father Allah Clarence thirteen X, you know, has sciences that, that, that was dropped on us in a whole different light. But we know the base come out of the teachings of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad and the nation itself. And even to to put to put another dynamic to that I'm going to get into this for a second because I wanted to, when you were speaking about, people got to deal with that reality. That, you, that the 80s and 90s, yes, you came out of the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. That's where we got the damn dynamic that the white man was the devil. How in the hell are you going to identify whether or not the white man is the devil and you don't know anything about those teachings? But here's the other thing. We can't leave out the Honorable Dr. Malachi York. We can't leave him out because um, Dr. Dr. Malachi York embodied all of that. When you got I forgot into, to add him. Please right, forgive me. Right, Please forgive me. When you add the part of that trilogy, grand master teacher, 
the great grandmaster teacher. And I'm going to tell you Negroes who talk about him to leave him the hell alone. Don't talk about, oh, he raped babies. Who told you that he raped babies? The cracker told you that? Has he ever been tried in a tribunal of Africans? We have tribunals all the time. Niggas have tribunals for marginal things. They put a tribunal against Brother Kalanji over some stuff where he just got his stuff back. If you could do a tribunal on some marginal stuff, then goddammit, as Africans, we can do a tribunal to get this record clear. But you let the enemies come against our brother, and he's a good brother. He's my comrade, a personal comrade. I ain't saying this as just like, you know, just want to pull on. I'm talking about a comrade who I know did good work. A comrade who I know that I'm that I'ma say because you can't be 100 because I wasn't there. But I'm I'm about goddamn 99% sure he ain't did none of the stuff they say he did. He was too busy doing good work for our people. But you gotta understand that he made it clear that he did not do it. It wasn't until they started threatening family members that he rolled out as a revolutionary and said, "All right, if you're trying to say that you even family members that turned against him, that's how bold he was." That you're going to say that my son, um, you know, Jacob York is going to do 30, 40, 50 years if I, if I stand my ground and say I didn't do this? Then say whatever. I'm going to say whatever to save my family. So he stood and wrote for his goddamn family. And any of you niggas that's hating you, only mad because he wrote something that affected you. I'm talking to anybody that want to hate on our great grandmaster teacher. But his role in it was very intricate as well. The teachings of the honorable Dr. Malachi Z. York, the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and we get into Dr. Ben, Dr. John Henry Clark. All of these are great, and the students should have no argument or debate amongst them. That's the foolishness. We know that's the enemy. That should have never existed because they didn't necessarily debate amongst each other. There may, there may have been differences, but because John Henry Clark has said a few statements about Honorable Mr. Louis Farrakhan, would you ever seen them debate? They wouldn't do that. Because they knew that the people were too valuable to go out and do that. So there was never anything like that. But what happens is that because when you start debating, let me tell you what you do. I got I to deal with this family. When you start debating, here's what you do. That's how the enemy comes in. They come in to create disruption. Now you're debating and you're arguing. Once you start debating and arguing, now you disarm and you're distracted from the enemy. Now we're looking at each other. Then the enemy creates an environment where they're allowed to persist in their war and warfare against us. And they, they're allowed to continue their war and warfare, but let me tell you how deep it is, though. Then there's a time of confusion that comes in. And confusion lies at the threshold of extermination, Father. I'm trying to tell you how dangerous it is. It, let me tell you how dangerous it is. Ask the blood or crypt. Ask the blood or crypt what happened. The bloods and crypt started off from this dynamic where you had Bunchy Carter. Bunchy Carter, a revolutionary that was a Slauson. You had the Slaussons there on the West Coast. You had the farmers. You had the, um, the businessmen and the gladiators. These were black, black groups that got together. They say gangs, but black groups that got together to protect the community from white vigilantes, one that was known as the Spook Hunters, but the largest were the Slaussons. He went and met with Bobby and Huey and revolutionized the whole entire Slauson um, gang into Panthers, and that became the L.A chapter and what the crackers did is assassinated him took him out so now the mm-hmm. babies didn't know what to debate said, there you go that's right out of goddamn debate and then we're going to put in us under uh, under brother karanga now we know a lot is said about him now karanga has cleared his face you know he says that those things aren't true those of us who weren't there we don't know but the image that they said about him uh, i mean set about him and his life was not a good image, but just getting to the point, though. So those who were more cultural 
they, they flocked to him in U.S. They wore the dashikis. They beat the drums. Not to say one was better because we need all of that. But the point is that it was a debate. It was a debate that Bunchy got murked at, but it was a debate before it, which was the cultural nationalists versus the revolutionary nationalists. That was the goddamn debate. Then somebody was murked, and then they, then they locked the Karanga. Then, of course, Bunchy's murdered. Now the legacy is there. So the Slossons said we got to continue this work in the community. So they became community revolutionary inter-party services. And then um, Raymond Washington had um, Brother Damu write up the Crip Constitution on his Crip. And so now it became this thing. The, the businessmen, the farmers, and the gladiators that went to U.S., they weren't really doing no work in the community no more. They just met at the park, beating drums, you know, things like that, uh, especially at Lamert Park. And that's a project that we'll be working on soon. I ain't trying to get off the point, but they're trying to turn it into a dog park. So our L.A. chapter, the Revolutionary yes. Black Panther Party, I myself, we're working on dealing with that issue, um, a, a project we work on. I want the community to be involved heavily across the country with this because it's deep. But getting back to the point now. So beating the drum and all that stuff. So, the, so now the Crip, these Panthers that were once lost and now called Crip because the leadership was gone, they would say, yo, y'all ain't doing no work in the community. And if you're not a crip, you ain't nothing. So the debate continues. Then the enemy came in with that social engineering we just talked about in the 70s. And all of a sudden, they felt the way, and now they, be, they, they begin to say, yeah, you my blood, you my brother, you know, and this damn mood thing, and then it became blood and crip. And then we start murking each other. But what am I saying about the debate? Ask a blood or crip today, why are you killing it? They couldn't tell you. But it starts with goddamn debate. It starts with disruption. It starts with hating your brother or your sister over some mediocre, marginal, petty bullshit. Not trying to be vulgar, man. And I apologize for it. But just keeping it 100. Madness over medi- uh, mediocre, mediocre, petty, marginal madness, family. That's what we're killing and murking each other over. Uh, as Bloods and Crips, but the same thing with this debate thing of the Kemet versus the Moor and all this other damn stuff. This is what it leads to. So you got some people that done ran their mouth a lot. There's certain places they know they got to watch their back now because certain people want to murk them because they didn't debate about somebody's teachings. You know, these are things you don't do. We don't have to do that because we got to identify that all of it is black and African. I don't care what kind of argument you want to got. The true Moors were Africans. It was a confederacy of Africans. Uh, we got to deal with that. That created a buffer zone when the um, Visigoths had um, were getting so deep trying to penetrate the heart of Africa. They put a buffer zone up to keep the crackers there. We got to deal with some true true history and true black stories right. and be empirical with it. We got to do that and stop playing. The Hebrews, a true Hebrew, whether in myth or reality, is an African. I don't care how much you done made this chart. And I ain't trying to be disrespectful, but we, if we talk about family business, I'm going to keep it like that. I don't care if Arya, okay, Arya, what's his name, um, Peter, um, what's his last name, Peter Sherrod, Jr. I don't care if Arya got, uh, sat down one day and woke up and said he had a vision and he told you that Judah was a Negro. I don't care about that. I don't care if he told you that Haiti was Levy. That still ain't no goddamn right for you to go in the street and diss Africa. Where did you get that from? That ain't even in your book nowhere. Whether you want to read the scripture um, uh, in classical Hebrew uh, or Ha'abri, or I know y'all be, you want to call Ha'abara, however you want to say it. You say, you don't, you say, what do you say, Yahawashah instead of Yahshua, however you want to pronounce it. But what I'm telling you is that that ain't nowhere in this. 
You can't find nothing on that chart in there. So why would you go and attack your brothers and sisters and attack Africa? We are not African. Pam, get out of here, man. Don't get in that. If you want to serve the community, go ahead. Do like my brother Hewlett Mitchell did. Yahweh bin Yahweh. He served the community without the madness. Do like my brother uh, Ben, um, 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 brother Ben Ami did. Brother Ben Ami. I love Ben Ami. You know, I, I spent many, many moments in Demona with our brother, may he rest in power. He gave us a, par- a paradigm for veganism when we didn't really know what that was since the 60s. And he's been holding out. Some may have an uh, argument against his politics for going over there. And I'm not arguing about that. That's something he wanted to do. Even though I'm not into that, that's right. something he wanted to do. But my point is that he was about all of our people being together. So stop this foolishness. And stop this madness. Dr. B- Dr. York was so much on this that he had uh, a school of Mohammedism, Mosesism, Christism, so that we couldn't have the problems that if you, if you wanted to say you wanted to argue about Christianity, okay, we got a school for you. That's how he did it. And so I say that the black liberation theological Christian, the Hebrew that really is concerned with our people, the comedic brother and sister or Brothers of uh, of the of the Nubian persuasion or Takinti or Tamare, how we want to deal with those sciences. The Ifa brother and sister, the Voodoo brother and sister, the revolutionary, the black nationalist. As I am a revolutionary black nationalist, Pan African. All of us and all these systems need to get together and do what we did in the 80s and the 90s and make it one movement because that's what that actual revolutionary consciousness movement was. It was the black Hebrew, the black Moor, the five percent. The um, Nation of Islam, the, um, the the different facets of, of Kemet, all together as one. That's why in the X Clan you saw all of that. They had the Onks, but they had the X, and they were talking with some of the Hebrew sciences, with some of the black so use the term just for sake of just for use of lesser words, but black Muslim sciences, five percent sciences with the comedic sciences. But it was all one, and that's a, that's how we saw it. The white man fared it, and now in this legacy with this social media crap. Now we're arguing and banging against every aspect of our existence. And some of the great mm-hmm. power we came with in the context of RBG, which I'm a revolutionary goon, number one. I'm going to get into what I'm saying by that science. And I'm also RBG, a revolutionary black gorilla in these trenches fighting for our freedom. I ain't no gangster because I ain't into that Italian mafia cracker gangster stuff. So you say, well, you say you a goon. I say I'm a goon because of Ugoon. The, the one of the name of our, our oh. great Lua, as we say in one science, or Risha in the other science. His name is Goon and Gam, and also known as Ugoon. I walk and ride with Ugoon. You know what I'm saying? I walk with Ugoon. I'm in that spirit of Ifa with Ugoon. I even create a system called New African Ifa, getting to Ugoon. So as a revolutionary, though. So what, what Ugoon was a healer and a killer. And, and it's necessary that sometimes you got to deal with so I walk with Ugoon. So that's why I deal with that particular science in that context. But we got to get together, family, and stop the madness. Uh, we can't because they wanted to do that. Use RBG versus every other aspect of the community. And you could never get away with that because when we, when we really want to get an RBG, then we're going to talk about Garvey, which means red, black, and green. You know what I'm saying? And when we get an Honorable Marcus Mozart Gavi, he wasn't involved in none of that foolishness. He told us, but our universal improvement, and he didn't leave anything out. So we got to stop this madness, and we got to get down to business. But what I wanted to touch, too, quickly, um, um, dealing with this issue with this social engineering, our sisters um, inside that McDonald's there with this foolishness. 
we got to approach this very, very, yes. very, very, very safe, family. We got to be very safe when we approach this. Because a lot of times we get so caught up into what the beast has done to us is that we, we see the aggressor as only the aggressor, but the sister that did the brutality is also a victim, family. Let's not forget what happened to us. And I must say it this way, and I don't want to be too tedious with it, but I've got to take us back there for a minute, family. you got to understand, I'm not making excuses, but we're victims of people that haven't been healed. What am I talking about? When our lands were invaded, our ancestors were beaten and tortured and traumatized. The cracker raided schools and villages and nation states. We like to say tribes because the white man likes to marginalize it, but it's really nation states of Africa. The Mandinka nation state, the Fulani nation state was goddamn raided by the cracker, and they raided schools and institutions in Africa. They took engineers and masons and carpenters, wise people out of Africa, because you don't bring, and I'm not, I don't want to use this term, but you don't bring dumb people as they want to project our ancestors to as to build a civilization for you. You bring wise people. Black mothers are, black women are the masters of psychology to the point that she taught the cracker woman how to nurture a baby that they had to make the black woman the wet nurse at times because they didn't know what the hell they were doing. But getting back to the point. So they came in, slaughtered us wholesale. Our ancestors who were alive watched in this trauma. Black women beaten and raped in the hells and holes of slave ships. The ships come come over on port, and they take that pregnant sister that was raped, hang her upside down, and the beast that raped her take a rusty blade or a rusty knife and slice the stomach open and crush the baby's head with their boot heels. Take a black man, the biggest brother, emasculate him, and blood gushing and pouring over his body, pulling him with the mud. And any African seeing the vision will ooh and ah, oh, we beating the mouth, shot in the throat, because we were not allowed to express love or feeling towards each, and then at times, they would take up the smallest sister, sometimes pregnant. It's a science in that. Why they take the most fragile sister, pregnant or, or not pregnant. If she's small enough, she, maybe she didn't have to be pregnant, they felt. Take her, tie a horse and oxen and, or some large animal to both of her arms and legs. Sometimes her breast, sometimes her head. The black man, take him. The biggest black man, tie ropes to his arms and his legs. Sometimes his father, sometimes his head. Beat or shoot and scare him, have him run opposite directions. Any African ooh or on over the same, beating the mouth, shot in the throat, and then take the babies, kill off the parents, and sometimes the babies, their own babies, raise them how they want to, and say, no, talk like this, nigga. Act like this, and walk like this, nigga. Socially engineering the African into them, and that's what I mean when I say the socially engineered nigga, which is no more than a black man or a black woman, an African who thinks like a white man or a white woman where you develop an artificial value system where black life is not worth living. So getting black to this point now, we were traumatized by this abuse because the point is that if our biggest, the so-called buck, could not protect and defend themselves, if our smallest could not be protected and defended, then we don't have a chance. So this created what I coined as traumatic black obtrusion paranoid personality disorder, where we have this paranoid personality disorder and also, of course, a traumatic black uh, obtrusion bonding syndrome with our enemy coming out of what I diagnosed as a traumatic black African Holocaust disorder what covers our total situation. I'm going to just briefly explain what that means. The trauma we experience, we are victims of PTSD, family, whether you want to believe it or not, whether you want to accept the fact or not. Uh, PTSD comes about when a person experiences trauma, when you experience abuse to where your life is threatened or your brutally attack or someone you love is, so you develop this trauma. Now, here's the thing now. 
in dealing with this level of trauma, there's also therapies. There's uh, cognitive therapy, and there's also exposure therapy. Cognitive therapy just deals with you approaching the situation and rethinking how you view it and knowing that certain thoughts that you have is actually harming you and to change that, and also you have to change the environment so it's not hostile. Now, exposure therapy is to bring up the issue and deal with it and reanalyze it, but the trauma also makes us feel um, powerless and that we sometimes are responsible for the problems. Now, here's the other thing. Dr. Joy DeGruy, Dr. Joy Lay, one of our greats, diagnosed that we have PTSS, post-traumatic slavery syndrome, as a result of un, un, as a, untreated PTSD. And the answer right. or, was that there was no clinical remedy. You had to change the environment. But I'm explaining something to your family, what makes traumatic black African Holocaust disorder different and this diagnosis that I did. What makes it different is that, whereas PTSD is because something happened, now you have the post-result of it, okay? The problem is that our issue is not just from the past. The cracker is constantly killing us and recreating new things on harming us. So our problem is not just past or an immediate post. It's past, post, present, reoccurring, and, and occurring, and now even in a context to be futuristic in a context, meaning that uh, we can for the most part predict what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't change what's going on today. So, so T-BAT deals mm-hmm. with the fact that it's a condition that's present and reoccurring and not just from the past, but it's on a whole different level. So that's what makes it different. So I say that to say to deal with this abuse that happened at McDonald's. This is just a result of our Holocaust, of the black African Holocaust. This is a victim abusing another victim. What happens when somebody's traumatized or abused? Oh, yeah. The abuse will abuse others. And so that's what we see. Indeed. Beaten and bru- hurt people hurt people. Look at the look at the lingo with the cracker. A brute arrested for stomping victim in McDonald's beatdown. That's disrespectful. The goddamn brute is the damn New York Daily News who printed the goddamn article. That's the brute. There will be no brutality if a brute hadn't brutalized us into the condition that we're in, and we gotta always identify the enemy. Both both of the sisters are victims, but we also gotta deal with the fact of the level of of violence that we're dealing with each other with on a whole entire different way. That we gotta do something to heal, family. We gotta repair. And and where it starts is first identifying, stop the war. Those of us who got sense, stop this so-called conscious war debate stuff. Stop this idea that you can control how somebody talk. Well, I don't like you said, nigga. So what? I'm gonna reiterate and say it again too in this context. Um, I want some um, wherever I let y'all work. So this is the thing. So I once did a lecture. This was in um in Brooklyn actually. I think it was in like 2008, 2007, and um, this was upon the invitation of great warrior brother, warrior elder, Elder Wakili, um, from the UNIA, and I was covering um, the race war. Are you prepared? And I was getting into the fact that nigger. I said, first of all, you got these. The NAACP said they got rid of the word nigger. I was shocked and said he buried the word nigger. And they said, oh, why are you using the word? Here's the thing, family. I talk about what I'm talking about when I say it, the social internet nigga. But then let's keep it real. One of my one of our elder comrades, um, brother uh, Matulu Shakur, who's a great revolutionary, and the crackers need to free him. He's a political prisoner. Okay, he developed a science called N I G G A, never ignorant, getting goals accomplished. I like that science. 
I like that song, just like where the term RBG was supposed to mean revolutionary, but gangster to revolutionize the gangster. But some of us got to check ourselves because we taking the revolutionary off. We're becoming B-U-T-T, but gangsters, because we're not getting ourselves right. So we need to get that straight. Oh. But getting back to the point now. So in dealing with the whole issue now, um, Matula Shakur developed this science. So I identify with that because this is what we use in the street. If you're talking about hundreds of years of trauma and, and words that we use, you also know we the kind of people that the cracker gave us lemons and he had oranges and he was playing, laughing at us. We put some goddamn sugar, even though it's white sugar, but I'm just saying that's all we could do at that time, on the damn lemons and made lemonade. That's us. We turned lemon in, lemons into lemonade. So we turned that into a term of endearment at one point in time, even though we know that it has a deep-rooted history in our trauma. So not, you know, and trauma triggers, meaning that with the cracker need to be careful with is the fact that if we didn't use it the way we use it, when they say it, all of us will murk them on the spot because of the trauma trigger that it has. A trauma trigger right. comes right. as right. a result of trauma. So, <laughs> so, so they if, should if be we happy. didn't neutralize it, right. If we didn't neutralize it, it would be a major form of contention and a pop-off trigger that would have led to plenty of bloodshed in these streets. You know what I'm saying? Because the soldiers right. would automatically be reminded of the hurt and the trauma attached to it. And, um, you know, you already know what it would lead to. That's but right. as somebody that, um, as a people that were dealing with a certain level of trauma and hurt, um, like many people that do deal with trauma and hurt do, they synthesize a thing and they become the thing. You know, they use the thing which causes them pain to become that thing which no longer causes them pain in the survival mechanism. So what I ask is as a people, as the strongest people on the planet, as people that are capable of unprecedented miracles, a people that could jump 15 feet from a foul line. However, our people want to view that as being recreational and not a sign of our black excellence, quote unquote. I would say as powerful as the people are, are we to be held hostage by a word? Are we to be so fragile that a word would have that level of precedence over our emotional state, that that word would be utilized to trigger us. So as survival is necessary, that we synthesize the sting and the effect and the domination and the control and the power over that word by doing something to make that word ours, I think that was brilliant. I I agree with you, and probably that start getting, start thinking that we could dictate how the streets are going to talk. We can't. We got to work in the streets first of all to identify with it. But you're absolutely right. And, and what I said um, in that particular um, form and lecture I was doing, I said first of all they talk about burying, and I said, but how in the hell are we going to bury the word nigger without burying the goddamn nigger maker? Because as soon as we stop using it, he's still going to make niggas. And let me tell you how deep it is. It's like this, for example. Okay. <laughs> if, if, if if my baby, my son, never heard that word, and you saw my children, so you know that I raised them to be revolutionary yes. and they exemplified that, right? 
So if I didn't let Indeed. them know that that word exists, and I don't teach them the understanding of the history of that, right? Well, my son goes in the street and some skinhead, bald-head pecker would or just some other cracker. So, hey, nigger, he may say, oh, how you doing? And get killed because he don't even know that that word exists and what it means. So he got to be able to identify that with that and also say he's in an area. I mean, I, they go in the community with me, so, you know, that's basically a different thing. But let's just use this as conjecture. Let's say he's in an area. And then if somebody, you know, like me, mothering them, you know what I'm saying, a certain kind of way, and he said, well, we all Africans, you know what I'm saying? So that's an African, but they're approaching it with this pistol, so I'm good. If he doesn't know that there's a socially engineered element amongst us, too, that has been socially engineered to be a certain kind of way, then he won't know, hey, this is now the negative side of the nigga. So let me either be ready to prepare to defend myself, defuse the situation with my brother, or go the other way. So that's the context, but the problem is that we develop these islands and these philosophical, well, I'm not going to use it, and we, the N-word. What the hell do you mean, the N-word? First of all, where were you, African? Where were you, brother and sister? Where were you, black man and black woman, when the crackers decided and sat down that no longer would the word nigger be used and it would be the N-word? So you don't even understand what happened. We've been <laughs> niggers forever. But all of a sudden, there came a trial, and one of our yeah. bold black revolutionary brothers, Johnny Cochran, did some masterful African magic, and he was able to take that word and put it on trial as a weapon against the cracker. See, they've been using it as a weapon against us for a long time. So in the O.J. Simpson trial, it was used as a weapon against the cracker. Mark Furman said, nigga, he did this and all this other stuff. So the cracker was like, oh, my goodness. A lot of the way that the, that the trial was run, besides the glove don't fit, you must acquit, was the fact that the word nigger was used as a weapon against the white man, that you said nigger. So that means you guilty, white man. You know, O.J. didn't kill right. his cracker woman. So all of a sudden now, you know, the whole facet of white media, white sociology, they said no longer we're going to let these niggers use this word nigger against us. It's the N-word now. So we weren't even there right. in that decision, but you want to repeat the N-word. You are a damn fool for actually acting like that. And you a bigger fool for trying to tell your brother who may use it here and there that it's something wrong with him. He's a degenerate. For No, you're the goddamn degenerate if you don't get your mind right and stop pontificating to your people. And instead of pontificating, start doing work for your people. But you know some of these brothers are caught up in this fantasy and the image that they tried to describe of Karanga though I don't really believe in my heart that Karanga really did these things because he's a good brother you know I wasn't there so I can't judge that time but what I know about Karanga I don't believe it but I'm saying the image that they said he was these niggas in the 21st century are showing me that they're like that that they are like that the, with the, the, the put on all these damn robes and everything and now you you had a pontificate nah brother Let's let's not do that. You can have your own ideology, but don't not the next man's way of dealing with our people. And let's get this work done for our people. It's about this work. And um, but what I wanted to say back to just a reference to that before um, getting past the issue, the sister McDonald's is a victim. She's a victim of our Holocaust, yes. as we all are victims, and we got to deal with it. Let's let's stop abusing ourselves. Let's get off this damn social media. Uh, addiction. Just stop it, family. Stop. Because it, it sickens me because I go on Facebook. Um, let's say I got a Facebook now. I go on it maybe every three weeks. 
one or two times, and I'm on there for about five or ten minutes, and I'm like, I'm getting the hell off. It's it's disgusting to me, um, the level of time we spend on them. I'm saying. And if you if anybody just check my record, you see sometimes I put notes on there, and I just like sometimes I spaz out. I say, listen, you keyboard killers, you cyber gangsters need to get out here and be in, and be in these fields, feeding, serving, and training our people instead of banging on Facebook. Just get off of it. Get off of Instagram. Get off of YouTube. And let's get in these streets. And some of us need to get off the goddamn stage lecturing and having forums and doing work. I don't lecture or form unless I'm going to do work, and I'm going to put that challenge out to everybody. Any city you go in, all the teachers, elders, and the ones who ain't elders, serve the goddamn people when you go there. Don't just come and thinking you're doing work because you're running your goddamn mouth. It's people starving there, and you could have a lecture where you're selling tickets, but you got brothers and sisters right around the corner who ain't got nothing to eat and no place to live. Stop the foolishness, and let's do this work. And if we do the work, then we could identify with all levels of the community, but it's easy to pontificate when you can sit high behind a mic and high behind a keyboard and debate with your brother and sister. If we was doing the work, then what happened to McDonald's wouldn't happen because the sisters would know. If we took the energy that we use on a forum and a debate and on YouTube and was in these streets, all of us, the comedic, that the Hebrews got off the corner screaming and, and read on and start working in the community, then we wouldn't have the issue. I know some of them say they do, but I see you, and I ain't trying to be disrespectful, but I'm just saying, though. I see you, you go down to the costume store when Christmas come and put the clothes on and go in the corner. And you're screaming all day, but you ain't working in the community. Some of the comedic brothers and sisters, you got ox so goddamn big, you may fall over dead. Some of the Muslim brothers, <laughs> you got bow ties on so damn big, you look like a clown. You know, some of the other brothers and sisters, we got big crescents on your chest. You know, you're weighing you down. You got an arch in your back because it's too damn heavy. Some of the other brothers and sisters, you got so much, um, you got red, black, and green socks on. Red, black, and green uh, armband on. Red, black, and green drawers on. But goddamn, we still out here dying. So now we just become dressed up Negroes. So we got to stop this. We need to take off all the costume if we're not living the life of that costume and go and do this damn work. Do you really think your red, black, and green drawers is freeing us? Nah, that's just you. You know, I'm um, fantasizing about red, black, and green now. So we become new Negroes where now we didn't develop cliques, but we ain't doing the work. Let's do the work. Let's let's really do this work and get this work done. Um, what I want to let people know, I wanted to, if it's okay, I'm going to just add a couple um, yes. things about, because you asked me about the programs? Yes, the programs. I wanted to, okay, good. So the program, we have a program where we have a health program that deals with, we do screening. And out of those screenings, after you get your screening, we give you certain recommendations coming out of our Ministry of Health and everything's clear. You know, our National um, uh, Minister of Health is uh, Sister, uh, uh, Sister Kalima, Kalima Aziz. Um, she's a physician's assistant. You know, I myself, of course, I'm a doctor, but I'm going to just explain this to you. When we do this, you know, everything's done right. Um, okay, we don't have our own hospitals and clinics right now, but so what we do is wherever the nearest clinic or hospital is, we, we, we basically check in so they could so if anything goes down, let's say a brother or sister come in and their blood pressure is so high that, that they could be harmed, we make sure that that's on deck because we may have to take them over until we get our own hospitals. We don't have that yet, but we need that as a people. And we, we sitting there debating so goddamn much and putting money into unnecessary things and time until we could have a hospital ready. 
So we haven't done that as a people, and we need to stop the foolishness and get that done. But what we work with is we have a people's clinic. It's something marginal, but we're trying to get that better. So that's what our health screen is. So we do that, and we develop meal meal plans for the people. Um, again, um, I advocate a vegan, a vegan diet. I am an alkaline vegan. All my babies from the womb are alkaline vegans. So what am I talking about? Now I'm bridging the gap. Because now it's the alkaline vegan Negroes versus the revolutionary Negroes. No, I got my chopper in one hand and my goddamn alkaline water in the other hand. So I'm all good. So I ain't even worried about all the other stuff. <laughs> now getting getting back to, right. <laughs> to, to the whole process of the programs now. So then we got political education where we train our people about human rights. We got to deal with this stuff because, see, the reason why it's important to understand that is because, okay, some of us, even revolutionaries, even some of the RBG brothers be like banging the white man and go hide and do a die-in. They're on the goddamn ground dying in I don't even know what that means, but it's all good, though. So rolling over <laughs> playing dead in the street. Like, that's really, don't you really, you really harming the peck of wood by having, you know, um, a goddamn die-in in a march and a rally. Are you serious? <laughs> playing with yourself, really. And they laughing at us because they getting overtime. You know what I'm saying? They sitting there. They're ready. Then, then uh, they got what they call what is it, a rage factor. They actually have this, you know, where they determine it's like okay, it's called a rage rage scale. Is what they call it. I mean, so they determine what we really gonna actually do. That's what they call it. It's actually called a rage scale. So they got a scale that they determine how we gonna do the things we doing. So they, all the niggas they gonna come out there. They gonna cry. They gonna march a little bit. They they do something like wild things, but it don't last that long. You put love and hip hop on. They ain't gonna be out there on Monday. You 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 know let the verdict go like on yeah. thanks, so called Thanksgiving. You know the, the niggas ain't gonna be out there. Let the Super Bowl or the playoffs be on. They're not gonna be out there. But the whole point is that just getting back to the point. So we're doing all of these things now. If you're going to try to get into the weapons of of dealing with tribunals and prosecution, we have no power in the domestic um, civil paradigm of our enemy, nor in the federal paradigm of our enemy. First of all, the beast got laws that they justified killing. Public law 91-213 signed in a law was March 16, 1970 by then-President Richard Nixon. It's one of the population stabilization laws of black people in this country. Uh, coming to, to really back up some of the programs, I'm sorry, I don't want to use it, use that term for it, but the extermination plans they have with the U.S. Special Virus Program where you got Ebola, HIV, and AIDS out of the same laboratories um, where um, they had certain laws to back it up that they came up with NSSM number 200 and the Rockefeller um, actual um, the, the thing with the whole Rockefeller thing is a lot of funding came from the Rockefellers on all of the all of most of the plans and projects. But then you get NS, NSCM number 46, which stated that once we realize what they're doing to us, how they can have loyal blacks come in our face, and that's what's going on now. We see that where people are wear red, black, and green. They wear kinta cloth. They wear onks. They wear star crescents. They sell bow ties, and I mean, we sell bean pies. Right. And wear bow from ties. the church, whatever right. it is, yeah, whatever it is, we at. They're there, but they pacifying the people, no matter who they are. They're not like we um, people who used to have us do work. But getting back to the point, though, so in, so in dealing with um, you know all of the pressure, yeah, and that's like that the we're dealing um, with. <clears throat> you were you were saying yeah, something? Yeah, no, they, they when Bush came in and he had the um, faith-based initiatives. You know what I'm saying during the time when they were going up in um, Iraq and all of that, he had. Uh, Eddie Long and, and, you know what I'm saying, Creflo Dollar and all of them, you know, my brother's keeper and all of those initiatives that they were pulling, 
that's in the same vein because they specifically were, you know, telling them, look, you know, y'all are getting these funds to go back into your community and make your people feel comfortable and all of that. And they were open with this stuff. So I'm just adding that on to say that with people at one point in time considered to be conspiracy, we have lived in our lifetime to see these things implemented as public policy right in the public for you to see if you know what you're looking for. At one point in time, I was only able to uh, to, to to read about this, you know what I'm saying, and quote-unquote, you know, these these uh, conspiracy pamphlets, but this shit has played out <laughs> That's to right. umpteenth degree. We see it, right. you know what I'm saying, even all the way down to now when, you know, Obama has his policies and, and he has his faith-based initiatives and, you know, Reverend now has to go and sit with him in, in secret and private. But this is a person that you said is an FBI informant, but he has White House clearance. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So how do how do these things happen, you know, all the way down to George Soros pumping $30 million into Ferguson protests? You know what That's I'm saying? Right. Where they're creating, like you said, that they're, they're artificially creating the threat level, you know, or the anger scale, all of that is is being socially engineered. That's right. You know? That's right. That's right. I went down yeah. as, as, as a member of media to cover some of these marches in New York, you know what I'm saying? And I asked all of the right questions to, it was mainly 85% Europeans. <laughs> and I'm like, what brought you out here? You know what I'm saying? What, what do you hope to achieve? Can I add on? You know, it was, yeah, please do. Because not only is it being social engineered, I wanted to add on that Zuckerberg's major psychology, and he dabbled in computer science, okay? You could look that up. So it's about social engineering, but remember DARPA, which is um, what they do, which is the military's uh, research and development organization, Right. They have what is known as um, they they created um, their own version of the internet and their own version of social medias and whatnot. So they're able now to create scales, or rather, you know, these advanced formulas where they interject in, um, artificial intelligence and they interject big data. So what they're doing through the social medias, Twitter. Facebook, YouTube, and things of that nature is they're artificially creating certain situations, pushing buttons, and able to see the reactions of the individuals based on the um, based on the explosions on the Twitter feed or based on the explosions on the hashtag campaigns. All of that stuff is is being um, it's it's being sold as big data. They're monetizing it, but it's being studied. It's being countered. And by doing, by countering and doing and studying all of the data, because it's just data that's being kicked out, numbers, 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 data, and they're able to crunch the data. And by doing such, they're able to, because um, remember it's DARPA, so it's government. They're able to justify budgets. They're able to justify that whole thing with the Minority Report, where they're doing the whole thing about um, the precogs. Uh, um, I forgot the, the the scientifical term, but it's basically like reading the future, scanning scanning certain people to say, well, you know, if we kill this person, then you 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 know, you're more susceptible to react in a violent way. So we're just gonna lock you up right now, you know, preventive measures, 
and things like that. That's what the drone list is. That's what the kill list that Obama has. He's not actually killing actual ground, you know, uh, terrorists with their boots on the ground. He's killing potential terrorists. There's a kill list to, for, for, for the drone attacks. They're droning potentials based on the data and based on um, other things that are kicking Algorithms, out and coming yeah. back to them. Algorithms, yeah, the algorithms that are working. They showed you, right, so, in, in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, with that um, latest propaganda machine, it was all military funded, by the way. They were speaking of a machine that calculates um, threat levels based on algorithms of potential threat levels. So, the you know, the, the killing machine <clears throat> was supposed to wipe out on potential threats. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And then and then they came with the whole ISIS <laughs> situation right after that. You know what I mean? And then um and then what'd you call it? Then they showed you an Iron Man how they create an international terror group and a leader, um, by, you know, utilizing the green screen. Like I said, then they came with the ISIS thing. You know? So it is it's you know, it's all wagged at dog, it's very interesting how they're juxtaposing both angles of using media to show you the angle, you know what I'm saying? And then using media to launch the angle to, you know, gauge your response and then crunch the numbers for quantifiable response to how they want to respond to the response. Shit is crazy. That's, no, that's right. It is totally crazy. It's totally insane. And, and here's the thing, you know, um, and getting so deep uh, into it, I'm happy that um, that aspect was brought up because we don't even understand that level. You know what I'm saying? How they actually have ethnic weapons, specific ethnic weapons that target melanin, that target you melanin people, and this ain't no joke. This is serious facts that people can look up. You know, it's very deep. And as he was talking about the drones, not only do they have the drones, they have certain weapons that are so deep, the drones, the uh, robotic dogs, like big dog and different things that actually um, is programmed to um, to target melanated people and ethnic bombs and things like that that particularly target us. And South Africa, um, in general, was using it for a long time, um, dealing with uh, our brothers and sisters in South Africa. And Israel, the scientists out of Israel, was providing the technology for a long time. So it ain't even like a, a new thing. It's been going on for a long time. And so when you saw these things about the Department of Homeland Insecurity and all that other mess, um, which is just all that is is King Alfred's Homeland Security um, project, uh, what Department of Homeland Security is, uh, and dealing with that now, um, that that whole particular thing um, with them, with the bullets, um, how they got the damn special bullets and the body bags and all that stuff, a lot of that is race-specific bullets and race-specific weaponry. And it's interesting um, on that level because those weapons are used against us, and, you know, it's a very intricate thing. Department of Homeland Security is a whole different dynamic in the race war against our people. You know, it's so deep in this level, I and mean, I'm happy that the whole ISIS thing was brought up because this is the thing. Okay, they knew, when we were talking about Che a little bit earlier, that we identify with that all over the world revolutionary. It was a universal revolutionary struggle, and that's how 
a lot of um, African people, black people, how we saw it, that all revolutionaries, you know, had a had a unifying bond. At one time, that's how we rode. So they know we get into the struggle of oppressed people all over the planet. We have done that. So what they did is mm-hmm. that they, they do their statistics, not whether it's right or wrong or whatever it is, but they do know that a great majority of Africans, I'll say up to about 80% in some statistics, are Muslim. You know, not that that's the best thing or the worst thing. I'm just saying that's what Africans are. Like in America, almost 60, 60-something percent of Africans in America in the diaspora are Christian. So here's another thing. So you you very stupid. It's just like attacking using the word nigger. If you're going to just attack the brother and sister because they're going to church, no. If they go into an African liberation theological um, system, that's the base where you want them to be in the first place. But attacking them in the beginning is not the way to go. It's not the way to grow. you got to teach our people better. You can't debate them about it because all you're going to do is have us fighting. But getting back to the point, though. So they realize this level, and, you know, we talk about Malcolm, we talk about Elijah Muhammad, we talk about my great bull comrade, uh, revolutionary black warrior general, Ashe, who is now in the ancestral realm of the Gungun, Dr. Khaled Abdul Muhammad, may rest in power. When you deal with this level and dynamic of, of what we're saying, they knew certain certain um, certain things that um, just just that particular Islam had in the black community. I'm just saying. Not that it's it's the best thing or the worst thing. We're just saying what it did for us. Just like white socialism and white communists armed Africans all over the continent and the diaspora Africans in Latin America. So the white man was, it's a war between two white men, the white communists and the white capitalists. So the African was used as cannon fodder in that war, so they armed us. But the white capitalists attack and destroy his Soviet white brother because the arms was coming to us. Not that the Soviet socialist communist cracker was better than the capitalist cracker. It was all our enemies. But the whole point is that it's what socialism and communism did to arm us that they use the then known as the Mujahideen to destroy and overpower socialism and communism and tore down Russia. So now they needed to bring this to the major aspect of the struggle, which is the diaspora in America, among among the Africans in America, and so they came up with this whole Al-Qaeda thing. They thought we were going to swallow that hook, line, and sinker. So they came up with it. They thought we were going to join in to that struggle, and it didn't really work, coming out the threshold of what Islam had in the community. For example, Matulujiko is a Muslim. You know, a lot of the revolutionaries and, and even Panthers, Imam Jamil, H. Rap Brown, so it's not that it's, it's better or bad. We're just saying that since it had an affinity for some reason towards certain members of us, they they know that okay we need to go after this thing. If our name was Pastor Hog Miles and Chitlins, then they'll be going after the black Christian churches at the same level they were doing. It don't matter. If our name was, you know, you know, M Hotep Patar, you know, whatever, you know, they'll be going if our name was, you know, um, you know, um Yaha um let's say it was Yahudi, whatever. Uh, or Yahadaha, or whatever, you know, whatever name we call ourselves. They'll be going after that, the Hebrew. But the point is that, in particular, even though they go after all of us, I'm just saying on the same level they did that. So they brought that up. That Bin Laden thing didn't work, so they had a fairy tale. You know, we came in, we killed them, we buried them, we threw them in the water. Uh Uh-oh, it's over. Movie's over. So now they had to come up with something else. So now they told us that this new group, they so notorious that even though Kaida don't want them, (laughs) they that bad. (laughs) (laughs) And and you know what it is, they're so not telling you because on the street we know we know game when we see game, you know, even though Kaida don't want them, they're so notorious. We know when you fall flagging and you're flogging. We know what's going on. Stop playing now. Now so getting back to the point, they played games. They made this up 
and then they gave it the Greek version of our great, you know, boy, I mean, I'm sorry, great goddess Isis, known as Aset properly in the language of Middle Nectar, as we calling it, not as the lion Romans, the whole Europeans, the Greek, the freaks, the white too wrong to be right, like to refer to as Isis, but we say Aset, which is a proper name. So they use that terminology too to get to us, and you see that this is the new thing they're trying to use on us because when the Ferguson riot started or Ferguson rebellion, um, ISIS immediately said, "Black people in America, join us." And then, um, then, then you see some pictures where they got a dude in the back, right in the middle of the so-called riot, saying, "ISIS is here." So them trying to lump that mm-hmm. into our whole entire experience. So it's all a target towards us and our community and how we accept certain levels of things. And that's why we got to be united no matter where we at and what we call ourselves um, and, and many things. But getting back to the point, too, is what you were talking about, how deep this thing, especially with the algorithms and, and the whole thing of um, locking you up right. because um, give me, they've done right. studies. Give me, yes, give me one second. I hate to um, okay. intercede, but we're going to the 12 o'clock hour family oh. Okay. To join us, please continue to uh, to listen to this program. Three four seven six three seven two one three five is the number that you have to call. We have mad hands up in the call queue. Three four seven six three seven two one three five. We want to get to the callers as well. So continue okay. to journey with us. For those that won't be journeying with us, please let them know how they can go about getting in contact with you, getting involved with the food initiative to feed the people, you know, please. That's right. Absolutely. Um, you can reach us at first, you know, we have a, you can go to the website, which is www.the, make sure you put the, the revolutionary black Panther That's one of the ways to reach us. Another way to reach us is through our national hotline at 888-670-3384. And the best way to get a live person is through our national organizer in Yeezy Wingu. You can just call him General Wingu, and that's at area code 786-768-3763. That's area code 786-768-3763. Well, we're doing, family. We need your help, and we need your support. We ain't no 501c3 niggas. We don't even roll like that. Everything we do is out of pocket and out of the work and out of our, our hard earnings and pennies, and we ain't even asking you. We don't want to see, you know, if you want to do that, that's your business. We're talking about support, you being on the ground or you giving some food, you, um, you know, helping us reach this particular mark. And when we say food, we're not playing no games. We don't want no bent-up-ass cans from the pantry and no moldy-ass bread. Give us the food that you yourselves will eat and that you put on the table with your family. So we, don't, we want non-GMO food. That's what we give to the people. Uh, we asked. We're trying to feed twenty thousand families by March the twenty-first. I mean, March the twenty-first, right? Twenty thousand families by March the twenty-first. We're trying to reach that mark. So far, we got a quarter of that mark, but we, but we can do much better. We're trying to reach that mark. We need your help. We need your assistance. We're trying to do this first of all across the country, but on um on on that day in Miami, Florida, in an area known as the Pork and Beans, as we called it. Uh, we'll be doing a major um, aspect of that uh, where we're going to have, uh, uh, we're going to put this revolutionary bounce house up. We need it for the baby. So when they come there and order to get in there, they got to say black power. We give them a black power flag, a little red, black, and green coloring book, you know, and they get that. And 
You know, we, we have Marcus, Honorable Marcus Mazar, Garvey, Harriet Tubman, and, you know, that kind of thing. And we have um, vegan food for our people. Um, we we got, um, you know, I don't care. You want to argue about, uh, well, what you're going to eat, what you ain't going to eat. You don't want wheat. So whatever. I ain't getting into that argument. We got vegan hot dogs, vegan burgers. We got, um, you know, um, um, non-GMO, whole grain um, bread for our people. Uh, we got... Um, um, quinoa, we got the greens, we got, you know, um, a whole heap of alka- alkaline food. And then I'm just saying because here's a science. Now, some people are going to get mad at me. Get mad if you want to. You know, that's on you. But some, all of our people are not vegan. All of our people aren't al- on alkaline. I'm just telling you that's just how it is. It's just like mm-hmm. the word nigga. All of our people ain't. So we got a green side. Well, well all the stuff I just mentioned that we separate. That don't mix in with the red side. The red side is for people that is trying to transition from the meat. So we have um, people there. I don't touch the stuff, but we have people there that have organic turkey and things like that. I'm just saying being scientific because you already know how our, our right, people right. are. You try to give our people on the street some goddamn um, couscous. They're going to say, I, don't, I ain't eating no goddamn cuckoo, bro. I'm hungry, but I ain't cuckoo. So we can't give them no cuckoo. They ain't going to eat no cuckoo, the ones who don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> They're not touching it. So, so we have right. organic, non-GMO food still for people that eat meat and things like that. So we have a red side. Um, so we have vegan hot dogs, vegan burgers, and we have alkaline food, you know, because we, we go to each level. Some people are not, you know, on it like that where – you know, they're outside of the paradigm of the soy and the wheat and all of that stuff. So we educate on both levels. Even when people eat meat, we give you a pamphlet on the best diet you should eat. And if you're eating the soy and all, we give you a pamphlet. But we also have a food set aside for just pure alkaline food. So we have all of that there. And what we're just saying to you, family, is that we help, need your help in donating food, non-GMO food. Whether you want to donate non-GMO meats or things like that, go ahead and do it. We have a department for that that deal with the red side. You want to deal with the non-GMO organic vegan food, we got a department for that as well. And the alkaline food, we got a department. But I'm going to just kick all the terminologies away. We need your help, and we need to feed 20,000 families. That's what we need your help with. Whatever level you can deal with that, help us. We need food. Um, Donate the food to us. Um, we need your ground help. We need your commitment. We need you on the ground if you're local or wherever you're at. We ask that you help us where you're at. Just do a feed the people right there where you're at. Join us in that. Join us. Join our RBPP in this help, in this effort, wherever you're at. How you'll be able to do that, we just ask and appreciate that you, you know, you basically do some kind of documentation. They don't necessarily have to get a real name or whatever, but we just want to make sure that it's authentic. You know, the people come out, you know, um, they could just put a put a check mark, you know, I was, all right, I was here. We don't care because we ain't, ain't that kind. We, we know we're dealing with some stuff that we ain't trying to, you know, um, pr- um, pry into people's existence, but we also want to make sure that you actually did feed the people you say you fed so they could just write an write a X on a piece of paper. We don't care. But you know how it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah bro, I fed 10,000 people. Where they at? Oh, so don't lie. I'm just saying. So just they can write an X or a check mark. You know, it don't matter. Just give us some kind of verification that you did do that because, um, you know, it's right. not a game and our people are, are starving. And if you want to take pictures, you can do that. Or, or if you, a, lot of, a lot of us are savvy. You want to use that technology. If you at least use it for something good, um, you can Skype your feed to people. Just do that. Skype us on it. But we just want to make sure that you're doing it and that we, you actually we're meeting the numbers. 
that we're making the numbers. That's 20,000 families by March the 21st. And our big day is, is on my, we're feeding people now, but I'm saying our biggest day is that day where, we, where we, we're going, we're pushing the midnight oil to the bottom line. And, um, and then um, we want to feed, now this is individuals, one million black African individuals, one million black people by August the 15th of 2015. This is the objective that we want to reach. Again, I'm just quickly run through the program. So we got our health program. We got our political education. I was getting to we deal with human rights. And if you want to combat these things, if your only weapon is activism, you know, activism, then understand the civil right paradigm ain't going to work, that you have a human right. And there's an international community. I'm going to kick something quickly to you. The so-called civil rights in the 60s only became successful, first of all, of course, when we got the gun involved. But secondly, because the international community saw it and the international communities of black people in Africa um, had their discontent towards it. And so it put pressure. And so that's why that was passed, not because people were marching, getting beat up, but because the international law pressure. And so that's the other part, this international laws that deals with human rights, that we got to get out of this thing of a civil thing, because the only thing is civilized is, is something that's savage or an animal. Uh, you need to be civil with human beings. So the enemy is uncivilized. The enemy is not a human. They're mutants, but we're human beings. So we have to stand up for our human rights if, if we're active, if we're doing being active in that way I'm saying. So we don't deal with the civil process. In the Revolutionary Black Panther Party, we deal with human rights. And that's also to defend ourselves according to the um, international law, especially the Caroline Doctrine. You have a right to defend yourselves. And not only do you have a right to defend yourself, this is also how the United States government came into existence because through the Caroline Doctrine, uh, they, they were able to defeat Britain and have a preemptive, preemptive strikes against Britain. And this is how nations all over the world are able to have preemptive military strikes because of the Caroline Doctrine. But on an individual level, person to person as human beings, and on a government level, nation state and nationhood level, you have a right, a human right to defend yourself and not only defend yourself, to preemptive self-defense. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is that if a criminal cracker wearing a badge came in front of your face and was getting ready to pull a trigger and didn't pull it yet, you have, according to your own human rights, a right to murk them in self-defense. And I'm saying lawfully now. That's right. Like this, I'm saying this lawfully, to lawfully defend yourself. And I'm going to add this to it, though. And, and if I did it, lawfully defend myself, I may shoot them lawfully in the badge, because if that's supposed to be a symbol of justice, they're not even worthy to wear that symbol. Or the stars coming out of Africa, coming out of Kemen, and coming out of the uh, um, Adinkra system. You ain't even worthy to wear it. But anyway, getting back to the point, too, uh, before I said that now it's, going, now it's getting hot. Uh-oh, what's going on? So let me kick this first before, because I didn't say it somewhere, and I'm thinking about it now. So here's the thing now. They got force flag operations. I'm getting off point for a minute because I wanted to say something real quick. They got force flag operations. Um, we were, um, brothers were kicking some beautiful, deep, 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 deep points on these different um, – research formats they have about dealing with um, pre-crimes and people they're saying that have a predisposition to be criminals, let's kill them or lock them up mm -hmm. as babies and all of that stuff. That's what they do. Now, here's the thing. They talked about those two cops that got shot in New York, and I don't believe them. I don't believe them at all. One of them dudes, I know I didn't seen them in a couple of Jet Li flicks. You know what I'm saying? I didn't seen that dude. I don't care what nobody said. That same dude um, that they said, a little Asian cop that got shot in New York, 
And I, I didn't seen that dude in a couple um, Jackie Chan, I mean, a couple Jet Li flicks. The Ramos dude, I didn't seen him. First of all, when we deal with cops, even in the South, we deal with it like this. We don't even see other groups as as the enemy police. When we say cops in the South, we use the term cracker for police. That's what we. That's how we say it in the South, even. So we never identified the oppression to, to different levels like that. So we would talk about murking cops. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be to be murking cops because the cops. It damn sure wouldn't be no situation like that. They playing games, but if you know Operation Garden Plot, it was also and is also in effect now in Missouri uh, because of what happened with Michael Brown, and that's what we're dealing with. So Garden Plot always have false flag operations, and false flag operations are, are, are a whole different thing. So them two so-called cops that just got shot in Missouri, that, I see that that's another guy. Now I don't believe it. It's another false flag operation. Now, am I talking about conspiracy mm-hmm. theory? No, because in this government. They have a false flag operation team. I want everybody to write this down and look it up. It's called the Behavioral Insight Team. This is the U.S. government psychological warfare false flag operation team. The, the um, acronym for it is BIT, also known as the Nudge Unit, where they actually create these false flag operations to, for social engineering and manipulations. So I don't believe none of the crap that they put out there. And then you also have the U.S. military that, that has an actual manual um, that that's called the Army Psychological um, Operation Process Tactics uh, for Psychological Warfare, and uh, this is um, FM three hyphen I'm sorry three hyphen zero five point three zero one. That's FM three hyphen zero five point three zero one. And this is a field manual that deals with psychological operation and tactics, where they discuss how they make uh, false groups. For psychological warfare, false leaders for psychological warfare, and false flag operations and acts for psychological warfare. We're at war. So I say that. So when I said that about lawfully defending yourself, you can't tie that into none with these crackers being murked. So don't don't try to play games and twist it. Oh my goodness, you're with no, you can't tie that into that. I said we have a lawful right that any criminal, whether they wear a badge or not, if this criminal is coming to take our life, we have a right to defend ourselves lawfully, I said against that beast that comes to take our life. So we deal with human rights. That's the Caroline Doctrine. UN Article 51 also states that you have a right to defend yourself, a human right to do it. The Universal Declaration of Human Rights also states that you have a right to be secure. You have a right to not be arbitrarily arrested or your movement being hindered or restricted. These are human rights. So we got to get out of this small paradigm that we're activists and dealing with rights. I'm just saying, and the whole thing, you know that the the second formation under of the Panther Party, which was under Bobby and Huey, the first being under our founder, Kwame Ture, the second being under Bobby and Huey, dealt with civil rights, you know, even the Constitution, you know, just different things. But we deal with the threshold of human rights uh, and dealing with those particular things for our people because it trumps the domestic paradigm. Now, um, the next issue on hand um, is the tribunals. The beast may fail. I'm not saying this is the solution. I'm just saying if that's the best you can do is be an activist, this is how we deal with it with the human rights dynamic for our people. So here's the thing now. The beast may lose in civil court. I mean, you may lose against the beast, I'm sorry, in a civil court. You may lose against the beast in a state court because, you know, the civil just more or less dealing with um, not even criminal. But in a state criminal court, you may lose against the beast in the federal court, but that does not deal with 
the dynamic of it still being a crime against humanity. If every 28 hours a black person is killed by a law, so-called law enforcement officer in this country, that's the actual statistic that we are murdered every 28 hours. That is a crime against humanity. It is genocide and ethnic cleansing, and God damn it, you got a right to lawfully, fatally defend yourself against it. But also you have right to tribunals where we can prosecute. And once the people have decided, execute murderers, unlawful murderers of the people. You have a human right. They assassinated Malcolm X when he said that. Okay, so then they kept kicking the dream to us. The dream, the dream, the civil rights dream, because they want to keep you in a domestic paradigm. Now, again, we're not necessarily saying this is the ultimate solution. We're not saying that. What we're saying is that if you're going to be an activist Mm -hmm. and you're going to deal with it in that way, deal with your damn human rights because you are a human being. So that's a threshold we deal with human rights in these tribunals in that way where we have the people's tribunals that prosecute and when the people have decided execute lawfully I'm saying because see it's something known as international jurisdiction oh shit he talking about the Moors no I'm not I don't mean to curse but <laughs> I ain't talking about that and I ain't disrespecting the brothers either but I ain't getting in that foolishness right. about whether you're a sovereign or secure party I'm talking about law for real because a lot of times when you play with that stuff secure party sovereign you're really giving up your real human rights jurisdiction. There's something known as international jurisdiction, which means that any government in the world and an organization can actually bring charges against a government for crimes against humanity, and you can put certain individuals on trial with tribunals, that this is international law, and we can do this. See, the problem is that we didn't get caught up in so many conspiracy theories. We talk about the U.N. and these different things, not understanding that, it became a hub for the international community to make certain moves against us, yes, because we ain't there. So when you got a, a, a nation like Russia, and they say, listen, you know, we, we, we've understood, or we understand, that 90% of the world population need to be reduced, particularly in Africa, because it's destroying the planet, and nobody objects, then this is, the, this is just warfare is all I'm saying. It's not a solution, but this is how they do warfare. So now the U.N. has decided, well, we got to reduce 90% of the population. But we can use those weapons against the beast. That we're going to reduce ninety percent of y'all ass with the same process, then, because it's just it's just a, a tool of war and warfare. It's not necessarily the solution. Just like us feeding the people ain't going to stop the cracker from killing us, but at the same time, there's a food warfare against our people. So we got to deal with the tools right. to fight that. And the same thing with us being murked, and they use legislation and law against us. We got to have the proper law to deal with that, which is our human rights. That's all I'm saying. But let me get back to another program. So in our political education, we constantly stress that, like our project with the pork and beans, is a human rights um, actual project where where they're actually infringing on the people's human rights to habitation because they're trying to tear down the pork and beans. So we're fighting that, and we we want people to help us in that work. You know, we have half of the signatures we get, and we need another 500. And I was going to say, you know, you got these um, romanticized Negroes. Oh, you, y'all talking about signatures. We should be killing them crackers. Let me tell you something. Don't even play with it. We train very well to lawfully defend our people. We don't play them kind of games. We don't play those games. But we do understand war and warfare, so we're just dealing with what's going on right now on the ground. We do understand in order for Africans to be free, the enemy must cease to exist all over the planet. We understand that. We're saying we understand that clearly, and we know that to be the reality. But what we are saying is that our people have suffered in warfare right now, that if we don't deal with it realistically, we're just playing with ourselves. So getting to the other point now, um, we also um, have um, the, the, the food program daily, which is um, – seven days a week, 
where we have a free breakfast program, which is 8.30 to 11.30 a.m. We have a lunch program, mm-hmm. uh, and we have a dinner program for our people. Then we have a big public uh, Feed the People program, which is every Saturday, that the public is welcome to participate and feed the people with us. Now, we do ask when you come, if you have a cold, you had the flu, you've been sick, don't come around us. You're not going to get our people sick. You're not going to get the community sick. So don't come nowhere where we at if you're sick. But um, if you're in good health and you ain't been around nobody sick, come out. Um, of course, we require you to wear gloves because we don't want you uh, polluting the people. I ain't saying that I wear gloves too. I'm just saying that we get in a society the cracker spreads germs. We don't want the people to get sick. So we ask that you do that. Um, we make sure that everything is hygienic and clean for the people. And we have to treat our people as they are, as human beings. And we don't give them no bent-up damn cans. We give them full weed off our table. And we ask that you do that, too. So let me tell you something. We're not asking you something hard. If you're local or you want to start a revolutionary Black Panther Party chapter to get these programs into effect, let me tell you what you do. Okay, it's not a difficult thing we're asking you. You can just bring a plate of food or a pan of food out your own house. I'm just saying stuff that you eat. Have your neighbors do the same thing. A lot of our food programs is like that. It's just people that have food bring food that they themselves will eat and cook for the people, and they bring it, and we feed the people with it. That's what I call low-end black collectivism um, in the training process where we feed the people, but we're going through self-sufficiency where the people can feed themselves. So by us helping each other, it's collective, so the community is learning how to take care of itself. Now, does that eliminate the fact that we don't teach people how to grow their own food? Yes, we do. We teach people how to grow their own foods, um, how to have heirloom organic seeds to produce our own foods. We have survival training. We teach you how to bury your food. We teach you how to develop safe houses and I mean safe rooms in your home in case somebody kicks down your doors because the crackers do have a plan to do roundups, and that's not a conspiracy theory. That's a fact. So we teach you black survival as well. Everything lawful, we ain't teaching you no damn uh, quasi-wannabe so-called extremist shit, and we're telling you now, and I Sorry, excuse my language, we're not being vulgar, but we're telling you now, straight up, that we are not extremists and we are not terrorists. The cracker is a terrorist. The cracker is the extremist. And we are victims of extremism and terrorism. The greatest terrorist and extremist act in history and our story is the black African Holocaust. So we could never be that. We fight terrorism and we fight extremism. And I say black power on that. That's right. But if you want to help us. You can reach us at 888-670-3384, National Hotline, to reach a live person immediately, our National Organizer General in Yeezy Wingu, General Wingu, that's W-I-N-G-U is how you spell that, in Yeezy, N-Y-E-U-S-I, and that's General Yeezy Wingu at 786-768-3763, that's 786-768-3763. Our website is www.therevolutionaryblackpantherparty.org. So that's the best way to reach us, and we'll be interested in in all of our people helping us out, either supporting or joining the Revolutionary Black Panther Party. Remember, we're not an organization in the context. We're also a mili- we are an actual military formation because we have a right, according to international law, to be an army, and it's identified by our patch. So we have a uni- we have an actual right to that. And um, so that's what I want to um, get to. That's how Black Power. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed, my brother. Are you ready for the questions and the answers? Absolutely. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. Okay. Callers? 
we ask that you respect the um the time. There are a lot of people up with their hands up, questions, comments or concern, and definitely approach with respect and you will be respected. Anything else will not be tolerated, family. All right. So let's go to the phone lines. Let's go to the six four six. Six four six six seven six. Peace. Um, peace, Dr. Ali Muhammad. Black power, black power. Black power, brother. First of all, I want to commend you, brother, on the great works that you are doing for our people. I also you, have uh, words of wisdom. Wait, who's this? This is my brother? This is brother? Brother speaking. And black I want power, to say Black power, peace for my brother, Red Pill, and um, the Blue Pill, of course. I just want to say to Indeed. you, my brother, that you are doing such a magnificent job out there feeding the people and you're doing this work for the people. But, brother, you don't need to knock nobody to pull and big yourself up. You're doing so much for our people because when you begin to start knocking people, that shows me that really you're really not doing that much. See, I'm doing so much work that I ain't got time to talk about the next group or to bang on the next group. You're doing a spectacular job, brother. You don't need to knock nobody else. Just do what you do, and you're going to, um, you know, just keep bigging yourself up and doing your work, brother. Okay. And the, the reason thing. I what say I, that is because, you know, you you made a statement early on, and you said something about the debate. And that's reference right. That's right. I did. Bloods and the Crips. And, that's right. And, you know, the reason why the Bloods and the Crips, you know, and it, it could come out of the debates and it stems from the, no, it don't do that, brother. We don't do that. We out doing what we do. We teaching. When we have these debates, we open up the community. We open up the floor for other people to come in and set up their table and begin to feed their families, and they can also generate and make money to go back home and do what they do. You see, we can't begin to make statements like, oh, them brothers with the big bow ties and them brothers with the red, black, and green, and that's all they got on. And then when we call you out to do a debate, you say, oh, I don't want to debate. But you just said it. On the red, black, and green community, you just sit it on the well, brothers with the bow ties. You okay, just sit it on all, the brothers' hearts. Brother. I'm, I'm gonna let you go. You just okay, sit it ahead. on the you just sit it on the Hebrews. So when they call you out, you back up and say, "Oh, brother, I don't want to debate." But you just did debate by by being disrespectful. So all I'm saying, my brother, is you're doing a hell of a job. You're doing great work. You don't need to knock nobody else. Peace and Black Power family. Peace and Black Power, sir. I, I thank you for that statement. And I thank you for what you're saying, but I, I am sure I'm going to answer that. First of all, I ain't knocking nobody because I am a Hebrew. And my Hebrew name in dealing with the Hebrew community is Brother Dawood. That's my Hebrew name. I ain't knocking nobody because I am a Muslim. I respect Honorable Elijah Muhammad as one of our great elders and our great teachers and, and everybody that wear a bow tie in that community. So I am, and I roll with the Nation of Islam and the 5% Nation of Islam. Ask Allah be about me. So, and dealing with the RBG, I stand in red, black, and green. My babies wear red, black, and green, and I salute the flag of red, black, and green. The Revolutionary Black Panther Party symbol is red, black, and green with the panther in the middle. What I'm talking about, Sardinetta, and you can't run away from this fact, is that when we constantly argue and debate about philosophy and religion and spirituality, it's dividing our goddamn community, brother. 
That's what I'm talking about. I I'm not saying whether we can't. I'm not saying well, but hold on. I'm not saying whether we can't deal with issues right in family now, business and, 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 test, right and test sciences. I'm not saying whether we can't test sciences. I'm not saying whether we can't deal with philosophy and test sciences. But what I'm talking about, you got people that's very sensitive about their teachers. You're going to have the Nuwabians debate this one, this one, debate that one. Dr. York's lock up. You got the comedic people debating this one and debating that one. And it's dividing the goddamn family. And just Man, like the Bloods and Crips, people got people gone. just like the Bloods and Crips, people people got threats on their head. You know what I'm brother, talking about. There's people that can't even walk in certain parts of New York born, because they've been debating. They've been debating, and you know you're making money off of it, Sarnetta. So stop playing games. You call yourself the Black Don King. So stop playing games. I don't care about the fake accolades that you gave, but you gotta stop the debate. Why don't you get out here and feed the people? Stop selling the goddamn DVDs and come feed the goddamn people. Stop taking people. DVDs and making goddamn money off of it, and you just somebody walk down the street, you put a camera in their goddamn face to sell it for fifteen dollars. Stop that bullshit and come feed the people, nigga. Stop that bullshit. Don't even don't even try me with that fuck shit because I don't play that shit. Come out here and do the work. I'm gonna wait till you finish screaming like a little. Now come out here and do the work, bro. Y'all telling DVDs ain't doing the work. Come on here and do the work. And, 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 if you, and if you think Jeannie didn't whoop your ass, if you think Jeannie didn't whoop the New York and whoop your ass, don't play with me, bro. I don't even roll right, like that. I'm not, I'm not that kind of brother, bro. Don't roll me like that. I'm saying don't don't, don't come off like that because I didn't diss nobody. All I was just saying is that we got to unite. I said we got to unite. I said you, we got to unite and stop the debate. That's what I said. I wasn't disrespecting nobody because I'm a part of all those communities. And I always did. You probably don't know me, but I defended you. When they said that you would take stealing people DVDs and bootlegging it. I said half of you niggas won't even be known if Sarnet in the House of Consciousness wasn't making you known. So don't play no games with me. But if I'm talking about the stop the debate, you gotta stop it. I don't care what you think about it. Like okay, problem. now being that you said that, you got all emotional, like a little. Yeah, I damn sure did because I'm emotional about our people. You call but go ahead with it. General, number one, you call yourself. I don't call myself no general. I don't have to well, call myself a general. Talking. The people See, call me general. But go ahead, brother. I done heard go you ahead, talk. Go ahead and talk. I'll let you talk, talk too, but go ahead and talk, bro. Shut your little homo faggot ass up and let me talk. It's you say you was a homo faggot ass fuck nigga that sell DVDs and got your ass ripped for it. So, so you the sissy ass nigga. You the fuck nigga that don't do no work in the community. All you do is steal people DVDs, having bullshit, homosexual, talking out black men. So don't even play with me, bro. All right, Dr. first Ali. of all, I was respectful to you. I'm yes, brother, to talk. go ahead. I'm going to quiet down. Go ahead. I'm bringing out the real color of you, nigga. You's a fucking hater. Listen, your, your color been brought up. That's why nobody respects you, so I never... All you oh, do is steal man. people DVDs listen, and listen, make listen, DVDs. Listen. And you can't even unite. Listen. You talked all this good shit about you. Unite, brother. I unite with all the family, brother. You can't unite because you too busy got niggas debating, nigga. That's what you do. As a matter of fact, my brother, Black Cloud, and Lucy Wingo called you, and the first thing you're going to ask him is about when is the heat playing? When is the NBA game playing? We got too much work to do to be watching NBA games, nigga, because you wasn't giving the DVDs that they're winning something for. So don't play no games, brother. You know you, you sell out. They call you the conscious pimp. I, I always say don't call the brother a pimp. And I'm telling you, anybody could verify that. Ask brother, uh, brother Bomani Mayasa if I ever said that. I always defended you. When, when other people talk shit about brother. you, I defended you. But I'm going to tell you I don't agree with the debate. And we could agree to disagree on that and don't have to insult each other. Brother. But when you say brother. I'm attacking people, I'm not. I said I unite with the Hebrews. I'm a member of the family. 
Okay, now let me Dr. say Ali. this. Interrupt me, please. No, no. Let me, let, one, me, let me do say this. Well, let me Number do say one, this because hold on. First. You were disrespectful first, man. All right? All I did was bring out the true colors, man. You are a fucking okay, so there you go real, with, with, with the cheap shots against Sarnetti. Your true color is that you, that you call the people with the big stuff, bro. So stop the cheap shot because I'm not that kind of brother. You, you, may get a, you may get away with this passive-aggressive stuff, but I ain't even going to roll like that, bro. I'm not going to roll like that. Your true color is that you pimp people, and then when you don't like them, you turn on them. Like you turn on Sarnetti shooting Seti and gave his address out, gave his damn address out with your number, dry snitching. That's what you do. So you might be an agent. So don't even try. Me, bro. I'm saying don't try me. That's what you do. You you turn on people and then you and then you um, start talking about them. Like I said, I'm not against nobody. I'm a part Brother. of all those communities. And you could check you could check it out No, I'm against you because you cannot not talk Brother. about I'm attacking people, so I'm gonna I'm gonna call your colors up, boy. You just not man enough to say it. You you ain't a man. You're not a man because you're too busy out there bootlegging people damn DVDs on the block and think that's revolution. What you need to do, the revolution ain't gonna be televised. It involves work. So come out and feed them. I sign that. Put it like this aside. Okay, let's stop the argument. If you show me a feed the people program or the house of Congress, then I'm gonna shut up. Black Fire, go ahead, brother. Doctor Lee, you ain't doing nothing new. I saw you to shut your punk ass up and let the brother talk, please. You ain't doing nothing. Shut your punk ass up, Sarnetta, and let the people let the brother talk. As long as you talk, Sarnetta, I'm gonna talk. I ain't that kind of brother. There's nothing disciplined. Sarnetta, punk ass up, Sarnetta, brother talk. Oh, Sarnetta, we don't want to mute nobody's phones. Yeah, but he keeps interrupting me. Hold on. Yeah, in the interest of, of, of what this program is about and the fact that we don't want to perpetuate that, I'm going to have y'all continue this conversation in a different forum but I don't so you don't have to edit this out in front of... No, I'm saying at some point you should allow yourself to... There's something that you have to say to the brother and there's something he has to say to you. It can be said out, out from out front of the public venue so we could come to some sort of understanding, whatever that understanding is. You know what I'm saying? We don't need to do it like this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's not. Mm-hmm. You feel me? With, 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 I won't be mad in, in the best say, interest brother, of both I, parties. I, I, listen, I'm a, I'm a, this is what I'm going to say. Anything I said vulgar to you, I apologize for it, brother. I'm going to say I would be a man for the sake of black unity. I'm going to say that. And I'm going to keep it 100 because that's the kind of brother I am. I ain't no YouTube, uh, Facebook, you know, I'm going to argue with you. I don't even like this this phone thing. I didn't even know that was going to happen. It, it is kind of disruptive. And I can say maybe I was in, I'm, I'm, I'm a part of the disruption, whatever it is. I ain't even going to throw no shots at that because I ain't going to be that kind of brother. But what I am going to say for the sake of black unity, I'm going to just say just straight up. Anything I just said vulgar to you, I apologize about it. But I am going to say this. There's, there's things that I am very emotional and sensitive about. It's the state of the black community. So if you can explain to me and tell me, and like the brother said, maybe it's another form for that, because the way you approached it, brother, I'm going to just tell you straight up, it was offensive to me. Now, maybe that's my interpretation. When you say that I'm attacking people, brother, I'm not, I wasn't, I, my intent was not to attack nobody. My intent is that the debate and argument is an issue. Where did Bunchy Carter got killed? Was it a debate? Yes, he did. He got killed in a debate between dealing with the U.S. 
philosophy of culture nationalism and a revolutionary nationalism. That exists, an argument and debate between the people. It, it creates division. Now, if you got something better to tell me, then it's cool, because I know people say all nations debate, and it's true, but that's nations debating. We ain't got no goddamn nation yet, brother. We don't have no nation yet, brother. So what we need to do, if you got something to kick to me, a science of it, I'm open to that, brother. And if, and if there's something that I said that I may have missed and you got the science on it, then let me know. And maybe if there's something you missed and I got the science on it, I'll let you know. But to come off and throw shots, because that's what, it, that's what, to me, my interpretation was, when you talk about you doing good work, brother, but you hating on the bow ties. I ain't never hate on no bow ties because I roll with the bow ties. You hating on the Hebrew. I ain't never hating on the Hebrews because I roll with the Hebrew. You hating on the Kimmy. I roll with the him. I got an ounce. I got a goddamn bow tie. I got a Bible. I got a Quran. I got a Medinecta. I got the damn Odin text of Ephah. So I got all of that. So I ain't hating on none of it. But what I was saying from my heart and what I see and what I feel. Now, if I'm wrong, you correct me if I'm wrong in a, in a scientific way. And we could deal with it differently. I'm going to tell you as a brother, um, anything I just said about you, and maybe it was caught up in the heat of emotions, whatever, and his emotionalism and all of this stuff, God damn it, we're human beings. And as human beings, if you're ass and emotional, then you're a robot. So you got to have some emotion. That, 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 that's a, if you got a soul, you got emotions, bro. That's just how it works. But what I will say to you is that you are my brother, and I, and I hope that you um, know that I'm your brother. And for the sake of black power and black unity, anything I just said vulgar to you, I'm going to say kick that to the side. So for the sake of black unity, if we can talk in a different medium, if you have some science to kick to me how the debate has a place, then, then kick it to me. But I always saw the debate as some passive-aggressive people arguing when we need to be out here working, feeding, clothing, sheltering, and training our people. Now, if, if we understand, if it's, if it's a fact that dissemination of information, that you feel that that's a part of feeding the people, maybe it's a psychological thing, we could even talk about that, but that's that's the level that I'm on, that I see the hurt and pain that has happened. I, I witnessed things before my eyes. I witnessed people being getting threatened, you know, death threats, because they debating this one. This one debating the, the, the Muslim, so now he got death threats. This one want to kill you because you said something about Farrakhan. This one want to kill you. You said something about Dr. York. I don't, that stuff, I don't think is healthy, and, and, I, and I'm just, that's my vantage point now. If I'm wrong, then correct me, so I'm not... I didn't say it as a diss. I didn't say it as a hate. I didn't say it in that way. But when you came and said that something that is not my intention, and I'm hating and attacking people, that's what I took offense to because I love my people too much to attack and hate them. But I will express tough love on our people, straight up. And, I, and I'm going to say it in respect to you, and I'm going to give you a verbal black power hug if you want one. And if, if it's something that, that you're not into, just say I'm not into it, and we could just roll like that. And we could um, agree to disagree, like Paul. Um, yes, indeed. Yeah, let the brother respond, and then we're going to go to the next call. So I know if you're still on the line. All right. Yeah. You hear respectfully, me? Respectfully. Yes, we yes. do. Okay, brother. You can't say respectfully when this dude had disrespected me from the beginning. Uh, hey, go ahead. Okay. Now, let, let me finish. Forget it. Forget it. Why are you Why you want to be hostile? Don't be hostile. Okay, we're not doing I'm, I'm, that. But I'm going somewhere else. We're not I'm doing, not doing that. that now. I'm saying something else now. What I'm trying to say to my brother is that we have been divided before the debates. It's not the True. debates that divide the community. I agree. So we need to get off of that stuff. If we keep thinking that it's just the debate, 
that divides the community. I have been on the front line many times when none of you niggas was out there, man. I put my life on the line many times. I have fed, clothed many times. This is nothing new. You acting like you're doing something special that's greater than everybody else on the planet. I'm not out there focusing on everybody else. I'm too busy doing what I do. You don't hear me knocking no other group. I'm not sitting on the revolutionary Black Panthers or the new Black Panther Party. I ain't got nothing negative to say about no other group. I'm too busy doing what I got to do and building me for the people and other people out there. So when you start taking shots that, oh, it's the debates that's dividing the community, come on, man. Dr. John Henry Clark debated many times. Khalid Abdul Muhammad, Malcolm X said, debates, you learn from debates. You learn from them. You see? Come on, brother. Malik Zulu Shabazz has debated. Matter of fact, this week coming up, we got Dr. Wesley Muhammad is having a debate at a college forum. So the base is not the debates that divide the people, man. We got to stop with that nonsense. We had a successful debate last week. What it is is that Negroes hate to see other Negroes doing good, especially trying to make a couple of dollars off of doing it. Because look at the first thing he said. Oh, you out there making the money. You're getting tickets, and you're selling tickets. See, that's the real issue, man. It's not the debate. Because if it was his leader doing the damn debate, he'd be all for it. He'd be number one supporting the debate. But because it's not him, he's criticizing what we are doing here in New York. We're the one that set the goddamn uh, the pavement up for this consciousness here in New York, man. Many people that you're looking up to today, you wouldn't even know them if you wasn't for the New York and Harlem. So get your head out your fucking ass, man. Get your head out your ass and be a goddamn man. Stop that punk homo faggot shit. And with that, I'm out. Yo, I'm still on. Blue yeah, Bill. here. Yeah, oh, I'm right that's here. That's all I had to say, brother. When somebody talk negative about what I do, I got to come back and clean that, man. You can't let people just say that shit as though they the only one that's doing work in the community. Yeah, come but on, at the man. end of the day, at the end of the Bruh. day, at the end of the day, brother, me and you have a lot of conversations about this on numerous occasions. We have to be very. I'm just saying, there, there's a level of respect that we be. I hear you, but shit, I'm the flamethrower, man. I'm not going to sit back and act it's like I'm the It's not about that. At the end of the day, That's it's not, not about that at the end of the day. We could all be flamethrowers. Right. You know what I'm but saying? I, I don't care about all. I'm talking about me. When you sit on me, I got a right to defend myself. That's all I'm doing. Just like if I was doing a show you, and somebody come on here and try to de- um, degrade, know the ledge, I'm going to let your ass on. In fact, I'm going to call you. Brother, you got this nigga on the show trying to just tear down your shit. Get, do what you got to do. Going, and yours. And clear that up. I'm, I'm going to make sure you clear gonna, it up. Because once you say that I'm on the air, now it's out there and everybody can hear it. You see? Exactly. So exactly. all I did but was point out the day. real purpose of him saying that, which is hate, brother. It's all found on hate. It's Let all based off of hate, man. So you, are, you telling me, also, are you telling me that you and the brother can't have an intellectual dialogue where you could honestly, right? No, not, we can't not because he hold on, hold on. He's not for real with it. Pill, I'm not talking. Well, I'm not just talking about him. I'm talking about there's a hundred people that might say the same thing that he's saying, and people who have been doing work, people that are out there. If there's a conversation 
that needs to be had, if there's a consensus amongst the community, if there's a consensus amongst the elders, if there's a consensus amongst people that are outside looking in or inside looking out, are we willing to actually have a conversation? That's all I'm saying. Without going back and forth and debasing each other and cursing and doing all of the negative stuff that actually, you know, it doesn't solve anything. Because at the end of the day, we still not having. A, there's no solution. Right, right. That's I feel you. Yeah, at the end of I mean, the day, you know, know we men, as, we as, men, you know, I'm moving around the country. Everywhere I move around the country, I hear this conversation, and I stick up for you everywhere that I go. Not so much you, but the institution the of what the quote unquote debate, the platform for what the debates are. I'm yeah, like, brother, you're not from talk. New York. You, you don't really in know in the atmosphere. And, and huh? you can see the evidence when they come in there. You see the people. So the ones that hear it, they not they didn't experience it. They looking at it on YouTube or they hearing people talk. That's just the right. Talkers. Which means, which means that there's a need and a necessity to have more people understand that there's certain things that are going on that they don't see. You know what I'm saying? They're only getting, just like we only get X percent of the uh, of the light spectrum, and there's so much more light out there. There's so much more information that's out there that needs to be translated via these particular mediums of which the debates are taking place. And people can't see that. They're only seeing from what they're seeing, from where they are. The deeper I go into the country, the more people feel a certain way about what's taking place that they only see on TV. So or the YouTube, the YouTube is giving people, hold on, the YouTube is giving people a skewed account of reality because it's the YouTube. You know what I'm saying? Right. People don't see what's going on in your home 24 hours. They only seeing two hours of what's going on in your couch. Is that the reality of what takes place inside of your entire home? Well, no, but check it. What they really Yes, I'm listening. They really don't care about the debate. They looking at the money that's trying to come in. They think we're making so much billions of damn dollars. Everybody, no, you cannot generalize the same, that, the same way, brother, the same way that no one could come and generalize what New York is doing. You cannot generalize thousands of people's sentiments. You can't do that because that's not what it is. We're not going to be so, we can't be intellectual on Monday and simple-minded about other things on Tuesday. That diminishes what it is that we stand for. Brother, you this know is why I disagree with people. You because I'm telling you what I hear. I'm telling you what I see. I'm telling you, you can I, go on YouTube right now and see no, no, conversations no, not, about the money. How much money they made. They counting your money. So I, I, I know, know what I'm not saying that they're not. I'm not saying that they're not. I'm not excluding the fact that there's a percent. We're talking percentages. I'm not saying that there's a percentage of people that are doing that. You, me, and you had a conversation the other day. There's dudes outside of the community hating erroneously, and we got to deal that we're going to deal with. But I'm talking about the fact that there are some other people who not counting the money. They're not hating on the personalities. They got love for Brother um, Sarnetta. They got love for House of Consciousness. They got love for New York. They got love for the movement. They got love for everything. They're just voicing sentiments. We're in public forums. People are going to have constructive criticism. People are going to voice sentiments. They should not get cursed out when they do that. They should not feel like nobody's going to listen to them and people are going to talk down on them. We could intellectually 
have a conversation. Like the brother said, could we disagree sometimes without being disagreeable? Brother, I'm the one that got cursed out first, Rupert. So you ain't looking at that. I didn't curse the brother at all. He cursed me out. And once he did that, that's when I defended myself. All you got to do is go back to your archive and you can listen. I told the brother I, I will. respect what he's doing. But what he's doing is he don't need to knock other groups. This is what I said to him. And he got all emotional and got historical and went crazy. So when you say we got to be able to accept constructive criticism, I think you need to say that to the brother. All right. I'm going to say that to the brother as well because I don't want to be, I don't want to seem like I'm taking sides or anything. Dr. Ali, my brother, I will also say, I'm saying that to me as well. I'm saying that to Blue Pill. I'm saying that to the callers that are on the line. I'm making a general statement. I don't want to single out anybody. You're my elder. You feel what I'm saying? Me and you, me and you build and whatnot in public and in private, but I'm speaking to the whole. That's all. So you don't feel like this is just about Sarnetta. You know what I'm saying? I'm speaking to the whole. Because there's some people that are doing other things that, you know, we want to sit down and build with too. But like I said, I appreciate you for your call. Hopefully we could resolve something so you brothers can dialogue. You know, the brother is on the front line doing the work with the Panthers affiliate. Right, those affiliated groups and whatnot. So I, I, I just hope that we can move forward and get this conversation going in a better okay, way. Okay, that's, that's cool, brother. Is it all right if I ask the brother a question? Like, what's the difference between the new Black Panther Party and the Revolutionary Black Panther Party? I just wanted to ask him that. And that's all right, we brother. The line, yeah, his line got cut short a few minutes ago. Red, you got to. Call them on your three-way, because my three-way is jammed up. Mine is too. Hold on. Okay, let me see. Um, text me the number. I got it. Is anybody on the line? I'm here. Did my brother, did he say he'd be right back? Yeah, he's um, supposed to be trying to pass you the information or something. Oh, not, yeah, Blue, I can't I can't do the thing. I tried it. We're just going to have to go to the callers and yeah. maybe have somebody else call him. Yeah, yeah, the brother, he just gave me a, um, a line to, uh, to bring him in on. Um, go to um, go to brother um, Ebershard, Chacharad, who usually helps us out with that. Nah, I mean I don't need to. I I'm just looking for the number to call you. That I, you know, that I'm gonna bring him in on. Look on your side. Your call queue still up? Oh, I can't do. The three-way. My line is jammed up. I, didn't, I know. I didn't, I'm saying the studio. I'm just saying, chill. I'm saying, look at, look at. Okay. The, is I, your studio still up? Huh? Is the two hundred two number? 
No, is your studio still operational? Yes. Yeah, look, do you see a 786-768 number with your hand up? Call it from the 786. Press 1 on your phone, please. Because, all right. All right. Let me open up this line. Call it from the 786-768. Black Peace. Yeah, I got cut off. Yeah, I can't get back in. But anyways, um, the last thing I did hear the brother say was that um, it's not the first. He's been feeding the people, whatever. Okay, we all been out here feeding the people. I've been, I've been in this battle for years, you know what I'm saying, coming out the womb. But also, as far as work, I've been putting work on the ground for over 20 years. I wasn't talking about whether or not you fed the people. It's about the work to continue, the, the struggle continues. So if you fed the people, continue to feed, clothes, and shelter, and train our people. And I wasn't being disrespectful in stating the fact that us arguing against every, I'm not the only one that knows. Everybody knows that. Even some of the people that used to get involved in that would say they're not doing it no more. And I'm not being disrespectful. All I'm saying is that if you could show me a way that that is okay to do that and it's helping our people, then okay, other than, other than, Probably an economic value, and I ain't, I know that sounds like a cheap shot, but I'm just saying, other than that, show me a way, other than an economic value, or other than what I saw happen with COINTELPRO, where this one versus this one, and now we're killing each other, because people have been threatened because of that, and I think that it's unhealthy. This is just my view. That don't mean it's a fact. So I always say this, though, when you throw a stone in the pit of dogs, the first one to bark. The only one that bark is the one that get hit. Malcolm said that yeah, and, 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 and what happened? It does not matter. I'm, I'm quoting. I'm quoting though. So the, anyway, getting back to the point. So it seems like, did you get hit, brother? Why? Why would you try to jump down my throat? Hell yeah, because I, I said that, that we should. Right you so I'm saying, why? Why should? Why should you try to jump we down my throat? Down this road. All, all right, all right. There you go. Stop. Hey, don't argue. Just answer the question. Hold on. 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 So that can argue all right, as well. Cool. All I'm, I'm asking you is a question. So this, this I'm going to let you get ahead and get the last word and then we can move forward. The question I'm asking I'm quite you sure other is why would I say that we should stop debating and start uniting is what I'm saying. All right, I, I disagree with you. I, 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 why why would I say we should stop I debating? Why, why? Why? I'm asking a question. Can you stop interrupting, brother? Hold you on. You said something about being sissy and passive aggressive, but that's kind of sissy. Chill for a minute, bro. Chill for a minute and ask the question. Can you answer the question? answer the question. All right, okay, but I haven't the finished question. the question. The, I haven't you finished the, that, the question I'm asking is, why to... when I said we should stop debating and start uniting, paraphrasing it, why did you come off and say that it's um, attacking and uh, attacking people? I'm confused. That's, that's, that's All right, right. beautiful. Answer that, please. Beautiful. Let me answer this question right here. When you say we need to start uniting, and let me get it out, because what we I are doing stop right debating now. Brother, stop let me debating. finish, brother. Oh, my God. Let me finish. When you say we need to start uniting, I agree with you 100%. But do you know how much it costs to unite our people? Right now, me and Brother Polite is in the process of bringing everybody together to unite them. But you know how much it costs just to bring the brothers in? They don't want to come in for nothing. They want to come in. How much you got, brother? How much you got? Who going to pay for my plane ticket, brother? See, so when you say things, you don't really know what you're talking about, man. 
There you go with the cheap shot, bro. Okay, I didn't disrespect you. What you mean I don't know what I'm talking about? I know we need to unite. And I know we need to unite. But I'm not not going to tolerate this, though, bro. You're not going to throw cheap shots. Don't say you don't know. Because I'm, I'm talking from a position of knowing I'm out here in the streets and I see what division does. So I do know what division does. Now, if you're telling so, me so I don't know that these people are asking thing. you for money, if you're telling me I don't know if these people are asking me for money, give me their goddamn name and let me call them because we need to do better than that. If you're talking so you're about uniting that, people and so people are begging you, I'm saying if you're talking about uniting all this division, it's the debates you're telling me, brother. That's what you're saying? Are you saying that it's the debates that's doing the division? Hello? Call it yeah, that 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 line drop. You know, this shit knocked my internet out. It's just too much energy, it's too much powerful energy. Like All right, we gotta find a way open up the phone where line for brothers, you brothers energies, hold on, we gotta find a way where the powerful energies in our community can merge together and work together. You know what I'm saying? And that's what like we're the doing now, Blue If y'all wanna unite to somebody, phone. that's somebody's hold on, that's somebody's that's 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 on them to show up. You shouldn't be responsible for flying nobody in and paying a ticket. That's a charge they have for the community to show up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so you yeah, need to that, put some brothers with that fire on them niggas. Yeah, that's hypocrisy. You need to put some people with the fire on top of them niggas to burn them up and remind them of what their motherfucking charges for the community. They need to show up without getting paid. That's, that's on what them. this shit has turned into. That's what this shit is a fucking grab bag when niggas want to get paid to show up. Like I said, brother, you're going to see because you're going to see blue pill. We are in the process right now of writing the, um, we are emailing everybody and we, me and polite, we saying at least we're going to try to check this out. Check this out. Who do you know get paid $500 for 40 minutes or, or hour? Don't you know some of them turned it down, red pill, blue pill? This is what y'all don't know, but it's going to come out because we're going to show you the emails that we got and that we got from people. Some people, like even Dr. Ali Muhammad, our brother Ali Muhammad, don't you know he wanted a fucking $1,000, man? He sent an email talking about he wanted $1,000 for hours. Be for real. It costs money to unite today, brother. Our people ain't trying to come in just to come in and act and fake it. So when you begin to want money to come in to unite, that's, we that's, even that's doing travesty, the home. Let me man. tell you what else we're doing. We're even doing a free joint. Me and Polite, we're going to pay for the room, and we're doing a free joint for the people to come in. But I'm not, I'm not saying Ali ain't wrong for that. Everybody want to get their money. Ali ain't wrong. So what I'm saying is the people out there that want to see this happen, y'all got to start donating. That's it. Everybody talking about we need to unite. We need, we need to unite, but ain't nobody trying to donate because the brothers and sisters out there do need to feed their family. So I'm not knocking Ali Muhammad on that. People got to feed their family. We're in the another people time are zone right now. We're not stuck yeah, but, in um, 2000. I mean, we're not stuck in the 60s no more. Come on. What the people bro. are we ain't saying. In the 60s also, no more. Bro, what, what I'm more saying is this. People. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What I'm saying is this. Right. In terms of community, in terms of um, economic platforms and programs, if that brother understands the potential of getting on a platform that you're offering and showing unity to his fellow brethren, you know what I'm saying, and the people in the audience, especially those that may have grievances with him, 
in the past based on his inability to unite, then his business and his products and his services and his organization and everything is going to benefit from that. So the little paltry sum that one will get paid for showing up is going to be magnified times 1,000 by the power and the strength of unity because that's what the people want to see. These are the people that, you know, there's so many people around this country, around this world that could benefit from what the brother has to offer by way of healing. But they want to see the community heal first. They want to see these organizations heal. They want to see, you know, the, 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 the people on that podium that might have, you know, beefs and, 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 and you know, dust-ups and all of that shit. They want to see that healed, and then that will magnify your business. These are the things that are holding people's business back. These are why people got to ask you for bread to come in because they can't feed their family. You know what I'm saying? That brother should, this should be a write-off. Like, this is a service. And that's what to come forth. Saying. We said the same thing, but, you know, we understand. We was willing to even pay your transportation to get here. You know, we wanted to pay your transportation to get here, man. But brothers and sisters out there don't know that it costs money just to try to unite your people. They're not coming in. You think if we tell Umar, who's been on video in Brooklyn, talking about we need to come together, if we give him a week because we're going to call him, we're going to call Umar to see if you want to unite. We're sending everybody an email, and we're and we, um, flying them in or whatever. We want to see what they're going to do, if they're really about united. That's what we're going to do. Maybe. Because everybody's saying that we need to unite, we need to unite. So now we're going to see how much it costs our people to unite. And it's, gonna be, and it's free. So we paying for the people to come in, me and Polite paying for the space to get it, and it's free. But the people don't understand it costs money to bring our brothers all together. That's all I'm saying. So when they talk this unites it, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Well, I'm gonna have you and the brother build on the on the on the private line. The conversation will continue. Let's go to these callers though, uh brother blew his hands up. You know what I mean? I appreciate the call and uh we'll continue this conversation. All right. All right. And if you want to stay on the line, in case we have any callers that want to talk to you specifically. Got you. And uh, if my brother could call in, um, if we could get a, somebody to three-way him, that will work. Let's see if we could get one of our one of the um, brothers in the audience to do that. So, Blue, where you at? All right, I don't hear him. Let's go to a caller. Um, six four six number. The six four six five one zero. Peace and welcome to Know the Ledge Radio. Hold on. Peace. Caller from the six four six five one zero. Peace. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, I can. I was just listening. And, All right. Uh, but I do have to say that um, the bottom line is that, yes, we do have to get together. We have to unite because time is wasting. Cost to fly these people in. It does cost to set up a venue. Yes, I agree. It should be for free. But being in New York, it costs. 